Hello, hello. This is Adrian. Uh, just a quick little warning before this episode starts. I'm going to go ahead and say spoiler alert. Uh, now, we don't necessarily spoil every film that's going to be in this uh, episode, but just for the sake of the fact that these films are still out there, they're still new, so I know a lot of people haven't seen these films, we do want to preface by saying that there is going to be a little bit of a spoiler uh, for certain films, so just to keep an eye out, or an ear out, if you do want to, you know, watch these movies spoiler free and you hear the name of a, a film, go ahead and, you know, I guess, pause it or stop it or come back to it later. If you don't care, by all means, enjoy the episode, but I will say one more time, spoiler warning for this episode. Thank you and enjoy. Hello. Hello. Yay. <laughs> we're getting better. We're trying. Okay. So today we're not talking about a movie, in one movie in particular. We're going to talk about, probably you're going to hear, I would think, at least, what, like 30 to 40 different movie titles mm -hmm. in this episode because we are doing not the best of 2020. Um, I mean, I guess you could say the best of. They're, we're just doing our personal favorites of 2020. Mm -hmm. These are in no way the best films because we all have different tastes here. So, um, well, some of yeah. them are. Oh, yeah, no, some of them are. Yeah, some of these but. you'll notice are going to be obviously, you know, uh, not nominated for you know Oscars or Globes, which you know just passed. So, uh, yeah, you'll hear some familiar ones, and then you'll hear some that are just our personal preference. So, uh, but yeah, I, I do this every year. It's it's a religion for me. Uh, even though literally nobody ever asked me to do these things, I always did it. Took my top 10 of the year. I couldn't narrow it down to 10. I always had like a top 15 or a top 12, whatever. Regardless, I do this every year. Just something for myself, I guess. And it's always nice to look back and see where I was mentally when I made these lists. So, yeah, and I figured what better opportunity to do it than on a show. And... You know, I'm always curious to see what other people think, so I had Megan do that as well. This was a challenge, though. I'll give you that. We all know 2020 was a little bit of a no-theater situation, so it was a little difficult to get these movies checked off. Because what I did was, uh, I went to Rotten Tomatoes, the website, and essentially they had a list of the best-reviewed films of 2020. And that included, that was basically their, their criteria for 2020 was that it was released, I want to say, in the States in 2020. Mm -hmm. And not, not a circuit, uh, like a festival circuit release. Uh, it was either a limited release, a theatrical release, or a streaming release in the year 2020. So... I took all those movies down. I wrote them down. There were good lord at least <laughs> over a hundred. I would. There think. was way more than a hundred. And I sent this list to Megan, and I said, you know, get to work, basically. <laughs> but at the same time, even though those were the best reviewed, that wasn't to say that we would have movies that were on that list know be part of ours well and that wasn't even all the movies that came out in 2020 those are just the best reviewed. yeah well, those are the best reviewed films of 2020 so. and for this particular episode we're including 2020 but it, i don't know if you guys know or not but the award 
season is sort of like March to February. So there are films on this list that were on the 2020 you know, Rotten Tomatoes best of list, but had already been considered for awards the previous year. Uh, same thing with a movie such as, I don't know, let's throw a movie out there right now, like One Night in Miami, came out in January of 2021, mm -hmm. but is still being considered for a 2020 award season. Right. So, you're going to hear a little bit of films, a few films that are released in 2021, but we, for the sake of this episode, we are including those films, and so our list is going to be essentially March of... Like, February, March of 2020. Yeah. To now. To February 28th of 2021. That's yeah. when we decided that was our cutoff. Um, and that was when I saw the Oscar submission cutoff was. So I thought that was just an appropriate date to stop this madness that we've been right. doing the, la <laughs> the last two months. Um, because, as you said, um, trying to see films last year was really interesting i don't want to say it was difficult because a lot of streaming services were really great about partnering with well it was the only way to do it It was the only way to do it but they were available i guess you could say mm -hmm. um that there were definitely films on here that you know we had to rent or right they weren't like say for example like a three dollar rental they were like a twenty dollar rental so we had to kind of decide what do we want to do what we really wanted to watch because i mean twenty dollars a pop kind of adds up a bit so with that being said though we just kind of had to think how are we going to do this and because the ability to see these films last year was so difficult we kind of crash coursed a lot over the last two months right um, so. i mean we we did uh, have you know in california where we're, we're situated we you know theaters aren't open but um we've we visited vegas a few times mm -hmm. and those theaters fortunately were very fortunate and so we did take uh, those opportunities every time we did go and you know mm -hmm. cross a few off the list um, um we were able to see wolf walkers at a drive-in event drive-ins as well which was been really cool help. so um, also like i said support these local theaters um so, but that was a really awesome way to actually be able to see a new film here because that was the only way we really right could yeah and so that was a nice little treat yeah so, so like we said we are starting our list is going to be essentially beginning with February 28th of 2020. Mm -hmm. So anything starting from that date. If the release date is February 28th to today, we're counting it. Right. If it's anything before the 28th, which, bless, because there are a few movies that came out right at that date that I'm just like, oh. we can have it or we can't have it. So um, we'll, we'll bring that up when we get to the list. Yeah, but, we had a nice debate. <laughs> about right that. <laughs> because it's one of those things where it's like we can't consider it because it is 2020 but is it too little too late was it already given its kind of moment to shine and uh, yeah i mean we still will bring it up i mean i guess we'll bring them up now so th there's two films i think that we wanted wanted to include mm -hmm. um i don't know if you want to go for it yeah two that we really really oh gosh that were just awesome and we both went round and round with this about if we could include them on this list and ultimately we decided no, but we wanted to give them a special mention. For me, it was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Which was February 14th. It just missed the cutoff. Right. That was when it was widely released in the U.S. Bearing in mind, it was given a limited theatrical release at the end of 2019. Right. And it had already been on the European circuit throughout yeah. 2019 and was on the festivals 
yeah, circuit. I think in yeah. 2018. I think. It, yeah, it'd been around for a while. So, yeah, um, it missed the missed our cutoff by a week. Yeah, it did. I, I think that was one of the last films I saw <laughs> in an actual theater before the shutdown, um, and I loved it. I, yeah. I nothing but great reviews for that one. So. Well, and then spoiler, um, since we are doing our top ten list, I've told you this was actually going to be my number one pick for my top ten list. It, it was a very. Um, shockingly beautiful wonderful film it was a fantastic (laughs) film um so just real quick it is all in french Mm -hmm. um you do have to read subtitles oh Oh, bummer um but it's a gorgeous story and it's very simple it is um but it's just a very simple beautiful and very deep love story Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes into this perfect like juxtaposition. I can't speak juxtaposition. <laughs> juxtaposition with Orpheus and Eurydice, and it was just the perfect like just parallel story to it. Mm-hmm. And oh, it was fantastic. And I just have to say, they are absolutely beautiful. I have never seen two women that are this gorgeous in my entire life. <laughs> so pretty. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> that was a good movie. So unfortunately, it missed the cutoff by a week. Yeah, so, by a week. I was so... 11 I, days, literally. 11 days. I really wanted to include this. It, it did It did get some, some recognition, though. It was, you know, a nominee for, you know, foreign language film and all that. So that was great. Uh, the other film that we wanted to consider, which was released, uh, quote-unquote released widely, was uh, January 17th was Weathering With You. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this film obviously is, like, kind of, sort of, as... I, I, many consider like a spiritual successor to Your Name, which was released before, I think the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... I haven't seen Your Name. What I understand is Weathering With You is not as good, but if that's any indication, I loved Weathering With You, so I can only imagine how good Your Name will be. I mean, honestly, and I feel like... Um... I also haven't seen Your Name, but it's on my to-do list. I've wanted to watch it for a really long time, but I feel like... Um, from everything that I've been reading and just from talking with people that we know that Weathering With You isn't quite as good as your name, but it's a really close call. I, yeah, it's, it's a close call. But like I said, even if it's not as good, Weathering With You was great. So I can I just have high hopes for your name. So. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. It's a really good anime um, film. And mm-hmm. the story is fantastic. The... I mean, it is voiced over in English, so well, at least the for us we that we saw, um, we did have to rent it. Um, I think we did. No, it was on HBO Max. We mm-hmm. finally, I was going to rent it, and then we saw it was on HBO, HBO Max. Max. So our edition was voiceover work, um, and it was driving me nuts because I was like, "Whose voice is that?" And it was Lee Pace the whole time. I mean, the voice work is actually good. I'm always worried about <laughs> so about getting a dubbed version um, of, of any foreign language film, but I think yeah. the cast did pretty well. Yeah. Considering. So. They. Can't complain. This one was really good. Because, yeah, like we had. We've seen with other um, voiceover work where it's dubbed in that it can be kind of awkward or it just doesn't fit. It doesn't come out right. And I feel like this one, they did a really good job. And it was very. I would say almost seamless. Yeah. And of course, the animation is fantastic. Always. Japanese animation is always fantastic. Absolutely beautiful. So check that out. Like we said, that one's on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. And I believe Portrait of a Lady on Fire is still on Hulu. It should be. Just the basic subscription. So. Yeah. um, But yeah, they're both. Yeah, those were the two films that we were sad that we could not include, but felt like. Obviously, we didn't do this last year, so felt like giving it a special shout out. Because it was a 2020 film, but 
for our seasonal award list, I guess it didn't count. We have to kind of draw the line somewhere. Yeah. So, so, yeah, but we wanted to just mention those two. So, but yeah. Uh, so I guess we're just going to go right into it. Um, like we said, we tried to cross off as much as we could based on, you know, availability or price and all that stuff. And then so, interest. So, um, right. I mean, there is definitely some prioritizing here with what we wanted to see. So, uh, you know, it. We didn't even watch all the same stuff. I mean, we did have a lot of overlap, but we also kind of went off in different Yeah, if, if a movie directions. was getting, like, like super, super good buzz, we both would decide, like, okay, we need to both watch this. Mm -hmm. But after that, we kind of branched out. And so I think we'll get into it with some of our more films that were left out of our top list but still deserve more of a mention. Mm -hmm. I, I know yours is much more specific than mine. Mine is just five films, no, I believe four films that mm -hmm. surprised me that I went in with little to no expectations. Like, I knew they were well-received, but I didn't, either the trailer or the plot line didn't really sort of click right. as being good, uh, but surprised me nonetheless. So, mm -hmm. um, I guess I'll let you go so, first. Like, that surprised me the most, or, or that I just was... Yeah. Okay, well, I have to get a gripe out right now. Um, Dune was supposed to come out last year. A lot of things were. <laughs> I am that was the film I was actually looking forward to seeing the most because um, I love the book I loved the 1980s version of this film um, which if anyone's seen it it's super cheesy but it's it's awesome um, so I was super excited to see this new one it had an awesome cast awesome production value it looked just well it, and and you've been getting educated on director Denis Villeneuve's oh, film catalog yes. you know Prisoners um Arrival, mm -hmm. yeah, Blade Runner 2049. Oh my gosh. Uh, Sicario, which I'm dying for you to see. That one's next, yeah. So, um. Denis Villeneuve's work is just fantastic, and I think his visual style, and then the trailers that we've seen for Dune just look amazing. Which is perfect for this story, and then. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and you then know, my, my ultimate disappointment. So, coming soon, hopefully, to a theater near me. It's going to come out this Christmas. Though. I'm not watching it on HBO Max. I'm seeing that in an IMAX oh, theater. Oh, yeah. It's filmed for <laughs> IMAX, so watch it on IMAX. So, with that gripe being put off to the side now, that was the film I was looking forward to the most and was most disappointed. Didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But, Bill and Head Face the Music was the film I was the most excited to see, aside from Dune. And I had the most fun with. It was like two, three decades later. Oh, just over <laughs> two. Just under, under three. Yes. Finally. And finally, we got another Bill and Ted. And I was not disappointed. I will say the only thing I wanted more of. Death. <laughs> was, yeah, I wanted more of death. I loved him. The Grim Reaper is my favorite character, like, of all time in these films. But I love Bill and Ted so much. I don't, and, and the thing is, like, I don't think it was... Like, it wasn't a superb movie. It wasn't. It, but just something about seeing these characters, seeing Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves come back, um, their daughters who I wish had gotten a little more work, but mm -hmm. were still fun to watch. It, I, everything about it was fine. It, it was, was just good to see them again, good to get back into mm -hmm. this, you know, style of comedy and the whole time travel thing and historical figures you know got to collect which i feel is a little underwhelmed with that part of it right because when i think of like excellent adventure i think oh. of the epic history yeah. you know last pr uh, presentation that they had i just didn't get that with this one but 
good movie overall, and I love the message of the movie. It's like they didn't have to write the greatest song; they just had to get everyone to join and play together. Yes, and yeah, spoiler, but that's. I mean, it, it just felt so good to see it, yeah. and it. I genuinely felt so happy when we left the theater because this was one of the few movies we actually saw in a theater. And also broke a Guinness World Record. The end of that movie, I think it was the most people to play air guitar simultaneously i love it <laughs> so in the credits you'll see a bunch of people playing you know air guitar and that was actually a real thing that they did um i guess uh, they just decided to do it and then they just utilized clips from that record-breaking thing and put them into the movie but yeah oh my gosh everyone involved got a little plaques and they were part of it and so that was neat i love it but yeah that was what i was really excited for i i wasn't let down if anything i i wished it hadn't ended I wanted more. <laughs> so I felt I, like it was ramping up and ramping up, and then it just ended. Then it ended, and I was like, oh, no. But I, that one, my little heart. Yeah. So that that almost made up for, for Dune. Almost healed that wound. Yeah. <laughs> but but that was a surprise for you. Though. That was my surprise. Any for you? I mean, I have four. Oh, well. Well, I, I narrowed it down to four, but. Yeah, that was tough. So. But. Um, I will say another one I was really excited for was Wonder Woman 1984, and let me tell you, it was not great. <laughs> that was bad. It, it wasn't bad. It was it, a fun movie, just... I, I think I'm saying it's bad because I'm bitter. It didn't have to be in the 80s, I'm sorry. And that's the thing, is if we haven't, if we've discussed this once, we've discussed it a, a hundred times... I'm obsessed with the 80s, so when you market a movie, at, a movie at me that's 84, I want to, it to be 80s. It, wasn't. it didn't even need to be in the 80s. I almost feel like they made it 1984 because that's very trendy right now. Mm-hmm. And the 80s are very back unless, in fashion unless, right now. you know, DC um, has something up their sleeve something. as to timeline-wise. I can't hold it against them, but... Maybe yeah, that's was, what it is. It but. was just a weird time placement it was i was very let down and i mean the clothes weren't fantastic none of it was very it was just very underwhelming for what i expected so maybe that's what my problem is still a fun dc movie yeah it it was fun all things i'll I'll concede it it was still a fun dc movie it's by far not the worst dc movie uh definitely not um but i guess as far as like the excitement i had going into that one i was just like ah that's it also being hit with covid i think the anticipation sort of died yeah big time Mm -hmm. so i can understand well and then i guess you could say on the flip side because of covid being so starved for something like this and then it was just kind of like oh well that was like lukewarm that was okay yeah sad (laughs) i was sad anticipated movies sometimes disappoint so but i will say i love pedro pascal i think he's great and I was pleased with his performance, so yeah. a little positive note there. Yeah. So, but yeah, and then other than that, really, like, those were my two big, I guess you could say, I was very excited for. One landed really well with me, and the other just kind of made me, made me sad. So, that's okay. Anything you want to share yours? I feel like I've been, I've been stealing the floor here a lot. Well, no, I just wanted you to, you know, we'll let you handle your... Mm. your throw yours out and then throw all mine out okay well and then i guess you could say my other two that i really had that i really enjoyed but they didn't make it on my list was um misbehavior with kira knightley um yeah that one was really good um that one was a rental i just i actually was in target 
when I saw it and my mom pointed it out to me. She thought I might like it and then I found it on Amazon Prime and I thought, oh, well, I'll just give this a shot. It's basically about the Miss World pageant um, being held in Britain mm-hmm. um, and I think it was the 70s during oh. the women's liberation movement. Mm-hmm. So just this whole thing between the first black um, Miss World winning yeah. and basically the women's liberation movement arguing that the Miss World contest is basically derived in the male gaze and subjugation of women and that you should be valued more than on your physical beauty but on yeah, it, everything else about you. It presented both perspectives and it justified so, both perspectives. It did. Um, so so and, and, and it's more, more so better because it's it was know something that really happened it really like it really happened and they both there's this moment in it between um the the winner of the beauty pageant and um one of the heads of the liberation movement and they meet each other and they both kind of have i'm not going to say it's an argument because it's not they just have a discussion and they both kind of come to an understanding that like i know why you're doing this i know why you're doing this and i know why this is a big deal for you and i also know why this is a big deal for me and for the women i'm representing so and there was no hatred there was no animosity between the two of them it was just kind of like a i see you and i understand Mm -hmm. and it was a very amicable way of discussing opposite points of view yeah so that was something i really appreciated and then my other one was one night in miami which i feel like for a lot of people this will be on like their top list i have to enunciate that i'm saying pop list not topless Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um if you hear that um it's a top list but i just really enjoyed a the cast in this film was great yeah. um and also i had no idea this even happened that they knew each other were friends with each other mm-hmm. and that this was just basically just a night in their lives and it actually became this huge historical event yeah and if you think about it that way, where it's like literally just four friends gathered together in a hotel room discussing their points of view and regarding civil rights and the movement and all four of them have a different way of contributing to the conversation and... Yeah, and they and it's good direction, direct, directorial debut from Regina King who handled like the... Because each character has a conversation with each character. Mm-hmm. And the way they do it, it's not like, okay, you have a moment, you have a moment. It's it's well choreographed mm-hmm. to get moments with pairs of people everywhere. Well, and it felt very natural, too, because it's the way that real people would behave. Right. When they're together with their friends. Especially when you have four friends, you know, two get in an argument, and then you kind of walk off, in, you know, in a tiff, and then the other one follows and says, hey... Let me calm you down, and then they have another open discussion. And then the yeah, and the other two are like, okay, let's let's calm down, let's talk this out, and then everybody's able to come back together and yeah, discuss like real friends do. And it's just Um, one of those movies that it's like you, you, I mean, obviously they didn't realize it at the time, but you have four great men in history mm -hmm. in the same room discussing something that will still be talked about now now and in the For, future i yeah, mean this is in the history books it's just and beyond me that these four talented men were were not i mean not talented or well recognized well known historically mm-hmm. we're just in this room together like having this moment and like, they didn't all agree no um about everything they didn't all disagree about everything but it was just a really good representation of 
four different points of view and another way of conversing about issues. And it was all from their perspective, but I guess that's the point I'm really trying to stress between One Night in Miami and Misbehavior is that this was people talking to each other. Yeah, it's not it's not like, <laughs> hey, you have a different view, let's fight. It's, you have a different view, why? Right, like, I want to hear what you have to say, and I don't, as especially in the case of One Night in Miami, it didn't destroy any friendships, it didn't ruin any relationships, it was, we can constructively come together and talk about these I mean, things. you might have a fight, but then you, you know, you realize, like, I'm not doing this to mm-hmm. spite you, it's like, I want to understand and help you, and it's like, well, right. I want to do the same for you. So. so, and those were those were the things that I really took from these two films, and that's why they struck me the way they did. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them are on my top list um, as far as like my favorite films because they didn't impact me in the way where I would. This is something I would buy and pop in the Blu-ray player and watch over and over and over again. That's kind of how I I based my top list was what really harkened to me as like a favorite film that I could watch again and again and again. These were more, okay, I needed to watch these, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So. Okay. So you got those yep. little surprises for you. Mm-hmm. All right, I guess my four surprise films. So, again, these are films that, like, I didn't have any sort of big expectations for. Like, I knew, okay, they're well-received, they're well-reviewed, but that doesn't necessarily mean for me they'd be great, or I wouldn't understand why they'd be great mm-hmm. either, you know simple story or just something didn't catch me but they surprised me nonetheless um the first one is going to be blow the man down (laughs) which is on amazon prime i honestly nothing about this film piqued my interest at all i watched Um, it first i think didn't i yeah (laughs) it nothing caught my interest but i saw it and there's just something about it that i really enjoyed it was just a very fresh take on a sort of film noir style comedic New England town. It just everything about it, it 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 kind of bounced a lot between genre and tone, so that mm-hmm. it did drag itself down with that, but I think it was executed really well. The the twist ending or not so much a twist ending, but the reveal at the end is just mm-hmm. sort of like oh. God, this is like shadier than i thought like this is deeper this runs deeper in this little town than we thought um everyone's got a secret everyone has a secret and the 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 two leads in the film are fantastic and well on both sides of the coin because i feel like there's two separate leads going on because you have the two young girls as and then you have the the head the mistress lady the madam of the also fantastic in that yeah. So I think that's a really good film to watch, but just be prepared for a, a bounce back and forth of, of tone. It's very dry. It starts as a very deep drama. It does. And then it goes into this weird comedy and then film noir and then thriller, suspense, and then it just kind of bounces into comedy every now and then. It's just, where is this movie going? But it, it's a great movie. Yeah. So I that was a surprise for me. Good pick. The third film was one of the last films I saw was St. Francis, and again, it didn't, I liked it, and it surprised me because it sounded so generic. Mm -hmm. It's just the same sort of story of midlife crisis or quarter-life crisis, and I don't know what I'm doing, and you find, you know, hope in the least expected place. It's, 
basically that. But the way it's written, the way it's acted, who the actress is the writer. Oh, so I didn't know that. Very she wrote cool. and starred in the film and just is really fun to watch. And the young girl is just adorable. And it, yeah, it's I was surprised for how simple the story could be hitting these beats, mm-hmm. you know, the exact same way in any other story would, but still be good. See, and that was one I didn't watch, and now I kind of kind of want to. Yeah. Where did you watch it? Just out of curiosity. St. Francis is on Amazon Prime. On Prime? Okay. Yes. So I saw that. Uh, number two on my, or counting down from four to one, number two would be, would be Love and Monsters. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised at that movie because that movie is the one I saw in California when theaters opened for like that brief stint it was open. Um. It was literally a couple weeks. I, there was nothing was in it? theaters. There was nothing being released. This film was on there. And I was like, this is the only film that is out mm-hmm. that, you know, that's not one of those classics that they were doing for a while. Um, checked it out and I'm like, this is a great movie. Well, I didn't believe you either. I thought you were just so starved for something to watch in a theater that you liked it more than... No. Like just... it actually was worth. And then you bought it and we watched it and I loved it. <laughs> I was thoroughly surprised with how charming, how fun, and how entertaining it was. It's really unique, too. Very unique. The story is simple. It's an apocalyptic world where something happens and all the insects and creatures of the world just mutate and grow. Mm-hmm. And humans are living underground, and this guy, Dylan O'Brien, who's great in the movie, too, um, decides, you know what, I'm going to trek like 80 miles to find you know, the love of my life. His high school sweetheart. And... Um... He's a wimp, he freezes, he can't, like, he's just scared, and they said, you're gonna die, you can't. And I guess, you know, the power of determination and all that, it gets him across, and it's just a really nice movie, and... And he learns not to be afraid, that he has no reason to be afraid, that he's actually stronger than he thought he was. Right. And I think that was what really struck me, was because you said, he, like you said, he was kind of, he was a wimp. And he's nowhere near as tough as the people in his, I'll call them his tribe, but um, he enjoyed being above ground again, and he proved he can do it. Yeah. And I think he even says, I'm never going below ground again. Yeah. So. And I I was just thoroughly surprised at how fun that movie was. And how emotional it could get. It got very emotional. I was like, this is great. This is fantastic. I was really surprised at that movie. Um, last of my surprise films, uh, this was a film that is definitely getting a lot of attention right now, but because the genre sadly is dying, I expected it to be, despite the big names, not that great. And that was News of the World. Mm -hmm. Because Paul Greengrass is known for doing, you know, the Bourne films and how making, you know, not pioneering, but, uh, popularizing the... The whole shaky cam action sort of, you know, like Tony Scott did that too. And having Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, the better Tom, in the film, it was, it had Oscar bait written all over it. And I think that's why I was so like hesitant to enjoy it because I'm like, this is just another reach for Universal to get like an Oscar nomination. And I just wanted to watch it because I was like, I love Tom Hanks. I need to watch Um, this. But I was surprised (laughs) with it. And the genre I'm referring to about dying is westerns and this is a very very much a western but there's just something simple and sweet about the story mm-hmm. very simple story Tom Hanks finds a, a girl and he, he gets stuck with taking her to her family right so she That's was it. 
captured by Native Americans and kept as their child and she is fully assimilated into their culture, loves her Native American family and they've all been killed and she's gotta go somewhere. So And she doesn't speak English. English and so the the, you know, the bond that forms between her and Hanks and it was just a surprisingly I just don't know how to describe it. It wasn't it's not a bad movie, obviously it's on my love, but it just wasn't the the Oscar grab that I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was more excited to see that movie than you were. Well, um, yeah, we were also coming off the high of watching a movie before that, which we'll get to. Oh, later. But, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I was just surprised by it because, it, again, it, it seemed like a cash grab and it ended up being better than... It, I mean, obviously it was a cash grab, but, but it's, it ended up being better. It was it. worth the... It was valid. We'll put it that way as a cash grab. It, it was, was It was correct in reaching for that cash it was. grab. Um, and I will say, like, the aesthetic of it was beautiful. The score in it is fantastic. James Van Howard's getting a lot of love for the score <laughs> for it right now, and, and I agree completely. We're walking out of the theater. We, this was another one, obviously, we saw in a movie theater. Um, we went to Vegas and saw this. Um, we're walking out of the movie theater and both of us are adding it onto our, our Apple music as we're walking yeah. out. Um, and the but, young girl's performance too, I think her name's Helena and mm-hmm. she's fantastic in the movie. I think that's her, her first big role like too. Her, yeah. And to stand alongside Hanks and, and do her part was, was great to oh, see. Oh, she was great. So, so, those are my surprise films. Good picks. I was thoroughly surprised with those, so. I'm, um, I'm impressed you narrowed it down to those. You yeah, were struggling. <laughs> Granted, this list can change like 10 days from now, but I had to just anchor down and yeah, and go for it. I, I texted you, what, day before yesterday and said, that's it, I'm done. I can't. It's, <laughs> it's hard to make these lists. But we narrowed it down, um, kind of, because we still want to sneak in some honorable <laughs> mentions. So I'll let you shoot your three honorable mentions and uh, we'll take them there. Okay, so these are kind of like what would get, I guess you could say like the booby prize or the Miss Congeniality prize. Mm-hmm. Um, they were ones I really considered for my top 10 list, um, but I just, I couldn't for whatever reason or another put them on there, but they hold this really high position for me. Um, the first was Sputnik mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I feel like you knew I was going to pick Sputnik. Yes. Because um, I freaked out thoroughly through the whole time I was watching it. I think I texted you yes. <laughs> the whole time I was watching it. Um, it is a Russian film. And the entire thing is in Russian. Again, subtitles. Woo. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only reason it didn't make it onto my top 10 list is because obviously it's not... It was still missing something. There's like, there's je ne sais quoi to it that just isn't there. Um... But a fantastic, fantastic sci-fi film. Um, again, score in it is great. The yeah. leading lady in it is she's a boss. I feel like her name's like Oksana or something. Yeah, I don't uh, want to butcher her name because it's it's she's Russian. Yeah, um, it's Oksana Akinsha. Uh, oh God, I'm so sorry for like saying that wrong. Akinshina? Uh, Oksana. I'm just gonna. We're call gonna say Oksana. Oksana. Yeah, she's um, she's great. Yeah. Um, but and it's just a really awesome film about astronauts that went to space in the 80s during the cold war and they came back with you know a guest who is using one of the astronauts as a host to survive and they form this symbiotic relationship with each other where one can't live without the other and she's the doctor that comes in to try to figure out what's wrong with him 
Meanwhile, they're on this compound during the Cold War in the middle of nowhere in Russia doing this secretively because the government would not approve that they're holding this man. No. Um, so it was just a really cool way to see like space and science and the Cold War from a Russian perspective. Um, because I feel like we get a lot of that in American theater or excuse me, American film, um, from our perspective. And I feel like it kind of usually puts this kind of not so great light on them. Right. And it's like, these are just people like everybody else. And it was just a really awesome story. And her character arc is fantastic. I think, Mm -hmm. um, because she goes in immediately as this kind of, she's very selfless and she wants to do the right thing um, for her patients and what's best for her patients. So her moral compass is really, I think, on point. But right. you just see her kind of develop this friendship with this this poor guy, right? Yeah. And I almost felt like she was, I don't want to say like in love with him, but I felt like she did have love for him. Um, right. And it was just this awesome relationship between the two of them. It was a great way to see, you know, a new spin on the alien trope. Um, that we see a lot in sci-fis mm-hmm. um, and that the alien is neither good nor evil and I think that was something that really yeah it's just literally a creature that wants to survive like any I'll equate it to like an animal mm-hmm. they're not bad they're not evil they're just they want to live they yeah. know instinctually what they need to do so I, I it just really struck me and it was just visually just really pr- nice to look at mm-hmm. so yeah, I kind of rambled on about that for a minute, but and I know you when you watched it, you ultimately liked it too. Um, yeah, but it was good. I think I. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. It's just you know, it's like, very there, much there, a, a Megan no, movie. No, there was something missing from it, but I enjoyed it. But um, my next honorable mention is Blow the Man Down, <laughs> which we've talked about. Um, I just really liked this movie. Um, if you ever watch it, it's honestly the kind of awkward movie that I really like. Yeah. Um, and I will say that it's awkward. It's because it's so... It doesn't quite know what it wants to be. But at the same time, it knows what it is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, almost like a teenager, I would say. Yeah. Um, which to me kind of makes sense because the two young protagonists in it kind of are finding themselves. So I kind of felt like this movie was <laughs> trying to find itself. But the story was just really cool. Um, I got my Tom Brady reference in it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a New England film. You can't get one without having that moment. And I, it's funny because when I was watching it, I thought they're going to mention the Patriots and Tom Brady at some point in this film because it's just so part of the lore in New England. And there he was. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just really enjoyed the film. Visually, again, I loved looking at this film. It looked just so awesome. It's, it's a small New England town. And that's basically it. That's basically it. And then the older ladies that are kind of bougie mm-hmm. and running the town yeah. under everyone's noses. And yeah, it was really great. Um, and then my last honorable mention we've already talked about too was News of the World. Okay. Um, I liked it way more than I thought I was going to like it. Yes. Bearing in mind too, I was excited to see it because it's Tom Hanks. Um, I liked what I had seen of what the story was going to be. Right. And... The ending of this movie just killed me. I cried. Yeah. And, um, it was really good. I mean, it looked 
very nice too. Yeah. It's hard to not do a good looking film with the West, the frontier. Mm -hmm. There's always beautiful shots so. of like ranges and landscape and it, it just looked great. But it was just the relationship I felt like developed perfectly over time in this movie. Like the pacing was perfect for me. Um, the bond between the two of them and this like father-daughter relationship that they had. Mm -hmm. um, so when he finally like takes her in as his, I just, oh, I lost it. I just started to cry. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's kind of, I tell Adrian all the time that that's kind of my gauge. If I cry, something's right. I mean, my gauge is, <laughs> if I get any emotional reaction at all, so, that it's worth it. Yeah. So, so, yeah, no, that was a good pick, though. I was very satisfied. Yeah. So, those are my honorable mentions. So, all right, my, I had such a hard time cutting these down, but my number three honorable mention is Driveways. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, again, I, this could have been a surprise. It could have been on the surprise list, but I love this movie so much. And it's so simple. Just a mother and her son move in because... You know, the mom's sister died and they need to clear the house out and sell it. And this little kid's so lonely. He's so sheltered, alone, friendless. He's very socially awkward. But he's smart. Uh, mm -hmm. And he befriends the neighbor who is also a widowed uh, older man. And great, great. This, this is like a great performance that I know is getting underappreciated and overlooked. Uh, especially being, sadly, his last performance. I believe he died like a month or two before the film's release. Um, Brian, I guess, Dennehy? Uh, yeah. he, he's fantastic. I was pointing out earlier, if you ever watch Tommy Boy, he's, uh, <laughs> he's Tommy's dad. He's Mr. Callahan. Oh, so, yep. Uh, his performance in that film is absolutely fantastic. The friendship between him and the, the little kid is great. And it's a good movie about... It's a good reminder that just be nice to people. Mm -hmm. Like, you never know. And it's very culturally diverse, white, mm -hmm. uh, Asian American, Hispanic American. There's just everybody in this film, and they're just so nice to each other. And it's topics of loneliness and friendship and um, getting old. Yeah. Uh, one of the friends also has dementia, and so it's it just covers all things about life and regrets mm -hmm. and would you do this all over again would you not it it's such a perfectly like made film with a little bow on top and it's just sweet and i loved it but i i don't know it was i felt like you, you were gonna saw pick the this. ending from a mile away though yeah you did and that's where it kind of I mean, the journey was the best part, but yeah, it just... You knew ultimately where this film was right. going. There was only one way it could go, really. Well, I mean, um, if it was made right, yeah, and it was. So, so um, I, I also really liked this film. I had a feeling you were going to pick this one. It's so good. <laughs> so, it's so sweet. But, and it's really short. I think it's like not even an hour and a half. It's it like wasn't an hour long. Hour 20. Um, so, but it's just, it's such a good friendship story. It really is. And I mean, even between him and the older gentleman and then the two kids that, the brother and sister that were just always playing outside. And they always just want to be around and say hi and, you know, you want to go to my birthday party kind They of were thing. so nice. And, and talking about the manga comics and yeah. all that. And it was just really sweet. And the thing to me that struck me about that film is all the friendships were outside. Mm -hmm. Everything was outside. Yeah, it's, it means go out and meet people. Go out and meet people. Don't be inside on your phone. Mm -hmm. Go out and meet people. I mean, obviously they did stuff together inside, but the point was they were 
outside. Out. <laughs> so. These interactions happened because they were outside. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was a sweet film. Yeah. Uh, my number two honorable mention is The Way Back. Oh, yeah. I This oh. was also... Your picks are good. <laughs> <laughs> this was also one of the films, one of the last films I saw in theaters before the shutdown. Because I believe this came out... March 6th, so yeah, right before the shutdown here. Like a week? This is also <laughs> one of those films, um, I, I kind of want, what was the other film that I mentioned? Um, like St. Francis, mm-hmm. it's a beat by beat copy, you know, of any other film about redemption, struggle right. and redemption. It's the same beats, but the direction of this is great. It has that, that like handheld camera work. The cinematography is great because it has that grittiness, it has that grain, mm-hmm. and it gives this sort of down... It makes you feel down. It's like dark. It, it kind of puts you in Ben Affleck, who saves this film completely. And it, that, the, the way it's filmed is makes you feel exactly like he feels. It's very mm-hmm. gritty, very down, very dirty, very like under-your-nail kind of feel. Yeah, and, and he's in a very dark place, this he character. He is in a very dark place, yeah. Um... And it does so. kind of go a little extreme on the feel bad, like, hey, feel bad kind of thing. Yeah. But it just hit everything for me. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, probably because me, because I was born and raised in, in this area, and I know those areas, and I know those schools yeah. that are represented. So it's more of like a, like, I can pluck myself into that situation. Like, like I could have been one of these kids kind of a thing. One of these students kind of thing. And yeah. So yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, the music is just also so uplifting, mm-hmm. and I thought it was just great. It stuck with me. It's a sports movie, an inspirational sports movie with great performances, some really well handled dark themes, and I mean it's great. What's not to love about children learning a lesson? Well, and then not even just, but their coach learning a lesson. Yeah. And I think like, that's the hardest thing is that kids still have the capacity to like change who they are. Right. They they're still learning who they're going to be and who they want to be whereas an adult you're kind of are who you're going to be. Yeah. Um I mean they say by the time you're 25 your brain is basically developed into the mental way you're going to be. That right. to change is hard. Yeah, and so, so, and to see, you know, like I said, Ben Affleck does it perfectly, to see him struggle, and mm-hmm. just, it, it worked. And what's cool, too, is that what I really liked about this, because I kind of don't really go for sports inspirational movies, because I don't, I feel like the super happy ending is very just like, yeah, okay, I get it. I mean, yeah. Um, this one had a very bittersweet ending. Right. Um, which I thought, okay, yeah, I can get on board with this. Yeah, it's bittersweet because, you know, some people win, some people lose. Mm-hmm. But the point of that is, did we learn, regardless did we learn? of the win or lose? Did we take a step forward and instead that, of backwards? And that's what I loved about it. it mm-hmm. Again, you can see this from a mile away, but it worked. Yeah. So, and that says something, it's like, oh, but it's a beat for beat remake of all these other films. I'm like, yeah, it is. So it's kind of not worth it, but it can still be done i think that makes it even better that you could still get an emotional reaction regardless of being a copy of all these other films right 
That and means you did something right with something that's already been done. Mm-hmm. So I liked it. Yeah, good pick. So. And my last honorable mention that just hit, you know, got trimmed off is Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh, nice. I was wondering, too. <laughs> I was like, oh, is yeah, that one going to make it for him? Or? <laughs> I had to trim this, unfortunately. I adore Aaron Sorkin as a screenwriter and as an aspiring writer myself. I think he's a genius. And I love that he can be great, you know, on the page as he is behind the camera because he did direct this film as well. And... I, I knew what I was getting into. It's Sorkin. He's telling different stories at the same time, different time frames, bouncing back and forth. He is a master at telling that. If you ever need any proof, watch Social Network, watch The West Wing. That's proof of bouncing back and forth, telling the same story. Um, and the performances were great. Like, Eddie Redmayne, who yeah. does not sound like Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> uh, no. Sasha Baron Cohen oh, deserves yes. a lot of praise for that film. Mark Rylance, who had his moment to shine when he was pretty big a couple years ago when he won for Bridge of Spies, but he's really great in this as a lawyer. Uh, it's just a great cast overall, and I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's Sorkin directing his own material about a historical event that is much needed to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. Well, it's funny that you say this because for Sasha Baron Cohen, I was going to, or Cohen, excuse me, I can't speak, I'm slurring. I actually put him down as a standout performance for myself in this film. He is getting a lot of love for the film too. And I know a lot of people said, oh, what about, you know, Borat, subsequent movie film, which is also getting a lot of attention. Unfortunately, I, you know, I didn't finish it. I haven't seen either of them. They're very uncomfortable. (laughs) But yeah, he's getting more appreciation for this because it is something out of his norm. But we forget that he can actually do stuff like this. Yeah, he's not just a silly actor. He has some dramatic weight to him. Well, and then, I mean, I know Les Mis gets a lot of flack, but he was really good in Les Mis, too. Yeah. I feel like he and... It was Helena, Helena, right? Helena yeah. Parker, yeah. They kind of stole the show there for a bit. I mean, but they usually do even in the... I mean, yeah. Version, so, I mean, that's kind of a, no, a moot Sasha point. deserves a lot of attention, but the ensemble itself, it's really hard to single one person out in this ensemble. Yeah. They're all great. Well, I'm trying to think, was it Frank Langella? That was the judge? He was the judge, yeah. And he's great. He's an asshole. He but plays it perfectly, if you, if you though. you, that means you did a good job you of the character. You did a great job. Actor, so. so. Yeah. But, you know, top-notch work from Sorkin. Uh, I always look for anything he touches and anything he writes. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jobs is another one he did, too, that he wrote, which was also pretty decent. So, so. yeah. That was my last of the honorable mentions. Unfortunately, they didn't make it, but well, well worth a watch. Great pick. So, um, I guess it's time to dive into our top ten. Going um, to the main event here. Um, I guess I'll let you do what. Well, do you want to go back and forth, or do you want me to just yeah, blow no. through mine, or? Do your ten. I'll do my ten, and, and on so on and so forth. So. Alrighty. Well, this is kind of convenient since you were just talking about. Okay. See, it just missed <laughs> my cut, but it made yours. So. Trial of it barely squeaked on though. Yeah. Um, Trial of the Chicago Seven was my number ten pick. Um, for all the reasons that we just discussed, this was actually the first film that I watched when we started this project, mm-hmm. and when we fully committed to like, hey, we gotta get these movies going. This was the first one I put on. It's on Netflix. I think it's made by... It's a Netflix Netflix film. Um, And I could not get over how engrossed I became in this film. That's Um, working right for you. Oh my gosh. I was... And here's the thing too, and I don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers, but like Vietnam era, the 60s is not my jam. I typically don't care for material. 
from that time period. As we've discussed, I'm very much an 80s person. Um, I don't know why. The 60s and 70s are just not... Unless it's NASA. Unless it's NASA. That's about it. Um, I don't know why. So I was kind of like, I don't want to watch this, but you said it was really good. And I liked Sasha and Les Mis. It's okay, I'm going to watch this. The only selling point well, and then one of my professors had just been raving about in my grad program about um, Aaron Sorkin's writing. And so I thought, okay, you know what? That's my best friend. And then my professor are raving about this guy. Okay, I'm going to watch this movie. And I sat there and excuse me, but I went, holy shit. <laughs> this is fantastic. fantastic. There's, there's well-placed humor in this as well. And it, it just gets you there it really does it had enough humor where i wasn't you know it wasn't just like a slog fest of this trial the whole time it had enough historical like backstory and and uh, what's the word i'm looking for here just like enough historical context there we go to kind of balance it out and then just these stellar performances in it and it brought to my attention because as i just said I, i'm not a big 60s and 70s like aficionado here as far as my history goes of something that I didn't even know happened and how ignorant am I like I felt like man I should have known about this this was a huge deal how did Mm -hmm. this go completely over my head and then I thought did I even learn this in my high school history class probably not and I don't remember anything and I was not allowed to be absent let me tell you so no um, that this this shines a light on a very important you know court case because it does deal with the court issue of you know the quote-unquote riot that was incited by these this group mm -hmm. one of which wanted peaceful protests another which wanted you know not Mm -hmm. peaceful and having these two you know people on the same side clash and then you had the whole issue with the judge essentially pulling somebody from the Black Panther Party, I think he was ahead of his chapter, and just holding them there because it made the jury afraid and it gave the image to the jury that, hey, these seven plus, well, no, yeah, six mm-hmm. plus the seven plus the, the seven, Black yeah. Panther Party member, this made them the bad guys. Well, and what's wild is that this was actually kind of rigged, this whole thing. Yeah, it, it's been rigged. Like, and you to me, too, it was really important to see the blatant disregard for your legal right to representation Mm -hmm. and well there's a lawyer present in the room sir he's not my lawyer and this was something that they went back and forth back and forth back and forth on between the member of the black panther thank you um i'm like having a total brain freeze right now but his lawyer wasn't present so he technically did not have representation and what was worse is he was only in the city for a few hours. Wasn't even, like, involved in this. He was going, he was going like, for something completely different and was just captured and put on this on the on the defense and said, Hey, mm-hmm. you're being charged for something you pretty much weren't even a part of. Right. So you wrong, can't be represented by a lawyer. Right. Basically, wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, you're going to be punished for this now. Yeah. So, sucks for you, sir. That's basically what I got from that. And I just thought the treatment of him was absolutely atrocious and you just see just this emotional upheaval between all of them that the whole point of this was we are protesting the vietnam draft yeah and let's not lose sight of that so the ending was just oh 
Okay, Finn. I think this hits you. I'm, I'm waving my arms around right now. <laughs> Only Adrian can see me. Yeah. You know, oh. The score with Daniel Pemberton, he, he has like this very swelling inspirational score as, you know, essentially the quote unquote credits roll kind of thing. Right. So. Like I wanted to stand up beside yeah, my bed like and start clapping. Name, you know? so. It was very, very good film. Yeah. By the way, anyway. So, but that was my 10. So now we've really drilled in. We liked Trial of yeah, the Chicago 7. My 10th film I just saw, uh, and then it's Judas and the Black Messiah. Ooh. And I just think everything about this film was fantastic. Um, Shaka King, I believe, is the director. Mm -hmm. She did really well with it. And here the film was saved more with performances. Yeah. You have Jesse Plemons as the FBI agent, who's great, and he's a very, very, very underappreciated actor. Underappreciated actor. He's great. He's in a lot of films that you've probably seen and just never noticed. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. But this film is great. And then you had Jesse Plemons, like I said, you had Lakeith Stanfield, who continues to always, always, always surprise me in his acting. I first saw him in Short Term 12. He is great in that movie. He plays Snoop Dogg in Straight Outta Compton, which is fantastic. Everything he does, Sorry to Bother You, which took a, tour, a turn for the twistiest WTF ending ever. <laughs> uh, but he's great in this. I think it's his career best. Uh, and then Daniel Kaluuya, I believe, who's most known for being in Black Panther and Get Out. Mm -hmm. He literally, this is my, one of my two standout performances, male performances of the year. Okay. It, just fantastic. His scene, I think when he gets out of prison for the first time and has the speech that is also in the trailer, it, I think that is just... The, he nails that, the, that I am speech. the revolutionary? Yeah. That one? He yeah. nails that speech, and you can tell he's getting into it because when he's doing his speech, you can see the camera trying to readjust its focus. Mm -hmm. So usually when you're an actor, you stay, mo you stay stationary so the, the camera can never lose focus. Mm -hmm. But he got into it, and he was moving back and forth and sideways, and the camera's like, stop moving, I'm trying to focus. Yeah. Um, I know uh, Heath Ledger does it on the Joker interrogation yeah. scene as well. So you know he's into it. You know he's just out of the mindset of I'm an actor. I am this person. I am saying these lines and camera, you just got to do a good job of keeping up with him. Well, and reviews I saw for him giving that speech were like raving about how realistic he was or just how true to right. the person he really was. And that... It was almost like looking at the actual person, not an actor playing right. this role. And what's surprising and to me, I mean, it's not surprising, but he, he is an English-born actor. Which I didn't know. And so I didn't know he was English. To have so. hit this specific, not only American accent, but this specific person's American accent mm -hmm. in, you know, this time period, it, it was just fantastic. He looked the part, he played the part, he voiced it, he walked it, it, everything about that was great. And then Lakeith, who's also brilliant in that film, and the whole clash of, um, can I, you know, he's basically doing the same thing. He's like, I did what I did to survive. He doesn't have, you know, a say in this movement or that movement. He doesn't care because he's even asked, like, how do you feel about Malcolm X? Were you angry when Dr. King died? He's like, I... Yes. I mean, I... He's not for or against anything. He's just looking out for himself. He's like, I'm a person that's literally just trying to get by. Yeah. And But you do see, though, his emotional upheaval because he does become actual friends And that's with the him. thing. It's like, he 
starts to believe not necessarily in the movement but in the person mm-hmm. so and it's tough it becomes really and you see him break down a couple of times mm-hmm. over this and ultimately you know self-preservation wins the day right um so. And the thing I want to point out about that is that people can shame someone for thinking that way, but until you're put in that situation, you never shame you, you never, you never know. Yeah. So, um, I'm not saying that he was right. He wasn't right or wrong. Wrong. He did what he did whatever. for himself at the time. But I'm just saying that until you're put in a position where literally your life is hanging in the balance, it's yeah. it's not and fair to judge else's, somebody else. Yeah. Someone else's life. In, in your hands. Basically. In your hands. So. And also, um, if I don't do this, am I going to spend the rest of my life in prison? Yeah. Um, what's going to happen to me in prison? Yeah. Um, so I, I just thought that that was a film so. carried by direction and performance. Yeah. Um, it's just great. Yeah. I, it's on HBO Max. Uh, only 31 days, so you might have like a week or two left to watch it, but you know. Yeah, because I think it was just put on there just for... It's 31 days. Yeah. So you have a limited time to watch an HBO. I mean, it's going to come back later, but mm-hmm. if you want to watch it now, get on that. Yeah, if you're impatient. That's my number 10. I was going to say, the only qualm I had with that movie, because I also really liked it, was that I felt so bad. I dozed off during it because there were a couple points where it just kind of dragged. It is, it is a long movie. Um, Very long movie. And I was like, oh, I was already tired and we had eaten a huge meal before. But yeah, it was a long movie. Granted, it could have been trimmed at least 15, 20 minutes, but it it was I, it was justified in putting everything in it that it was in it. So yeah, um, so, that's my ten. Good pick. Um, my number nine. I feel like you've already just you saw my list sitting I here. Seen it. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Well, my number nine is Palm Springs. What? <laughs> I did not want to take that out of my list. I did not <laughs> want to take that out of my list. <laughs> did I steal it from you? No, I, I'm glad you have it on there because it's not on anywhere online, but it's such a breath of fresh air, that movie, and it yeah. came right at the perfect time. It's like mid-quarantine, and it's a comedy, it's on Hulu, uh, comedy, I, you know... It's a Sam- romantic comedy that's done right. Sandberg is, is a hit or miss with me, more so lately hit, but this one is just like, he's great. And then Kristen Milioti is just adorable. Oh, God, she's so cute. Fantastic. She, you know, if you watch How I Met Your Mother, you'll know her from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, super, super fun, like, comedic romantic comedy. It's like today's generation's Groundhog Day, basically. Yeah, that actually, that's a good way to put it. And it's funny because you watched this early on um, when it first came out, and I I'd had it on my to-do list for a really long time. I just hadn't watched it. I wasn't watching it. wasn't watching it. And I thought, okay, you know what? I got, I got to get around to doing this. Um, and we'd been watching a lot of these, dramas, these dramas and it was just becoming a slog fest of just depressing things. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I need a day of just lighter fare. Put this on and I just thought, oh, oh my God, this is fantastic. And here's the thing too, is we've had this debate. I don't like romantic comedies. I don't either. I do not like them. Um, well, let me amend that statement. I like old romantic comedies i don't like contemporary when the formula wasn't overused yes um i would say probably the most recent quote-unquote romantic comedy i liked was bridget jones's diary the first one yeah um beyond that no yeah uh but that was based on pride and prejudice so that was already set up to my ultimate um, my ultimate romantic comedy i just showed you a couple weeks ago oh my gosh it it happened one (laughs) day The ultimate romantic comedy for me. 
pardon my sound effects, everybody, but... <laughs> that was the ultimate one. That was... I think that's like one of my absolute favorite movies now, I think of all time. But anyways, I digress to go on the romantic comedy thing here. I don't like them, so I really resisted watching this. And to top it off, I don't like him very much. Remember. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really struggle with him. I tend to think he's obnoxious. I mean, most, <laughs> I feel like most comedians have their moments of, of obnoxiousness. And bearing in mind, the last thing I saw him in was, I think, what, Popstar? He's great. He's fantastic <laughs> Popstar. I mean, he's obnoxious in that because his character's obnoxious. Yes, he's supposed to be obnoxious. Connor for real. Like, his... That movie's freaking great. If you need if you need a comedy and make fun of the entertainment industry, watch, watch that. that. Um, so, bearing in mind, coming off of that, where he's supposed to be obnoxious in that, and all I can picture is, like, Lonely Island stuff. Um, I kind of resisted watching this, and then I, I got into it, and I'm like, this story is solid. Well, he plays it very well. He's not his normal, overly silly self. He plays no. because his character's aware, like, we're in a time loop. I, is... I, I've already accepted. I'm going to die here, so. Well, and then you figure out, too, why he doesn't even try to get out anymore. Right. And his, his character is actually just really personable he's really i would say authentic to like what he's human he's very human yeah and then you have her and she's so strong i love watching her just fall apart because oh. she's angrily and stressed she's so stressed and it's adorable to see this little this little yeah. gorgeous little girl just or woman just getting overly like frustrated she loses her shit yeah and what's awesome too is that they're in our age range mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like oh they're struggling too like this is fine like. yeah but it's nothing frivolous and silly. It's like real adult struggles that were just like, oh God, <laughs> this is hard. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just, it really stole my heart. And of course it is a romantic comedy. It has to end happy, you know? Yeah. Um, but it didn't bother me that it did. I felt like their relationship was very believable. I felt that if this was, and this is the problem I have with romantic comedies is I always have this problem with juxtaposing it to the real world. Right. And I feel like they are two people that would have fallen in love in the real world yeah. and have actually worked yeah, this as a couple. Yeah, this situation just accelerated it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like the situation is something that would have happened, but I feel like as people together, I could see it. Yeah. Like, I can believe in their relationship. Yeah. And it hit all the right points. I cracked up so bad through mm -hmm. this whole movie. Oh, my gosh. I would recommend that one, too. It was great. So, yeah. Sorry. I'm taking forever to describe why no, I like no, these no, things. Fine. But, yeah. So, number nine, Palm Springs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my number nine, I'm so glad because it hits the cutoff just right there. This movie came out on February 28th. <laughs> <laughs> it just made the cutoff, and I love it because it's my genre. It's a well-needed revamp, and that is The Invisible Man. Yes! <laughs> that is The Invisible Man, because I'm so glad the cutoff was February 28th. It squeaked in. It definitely squeaked in. And here's the thing. It, it is a great film. It's. I don't think it has that dramatic weight that most of these other films on our list are going to have, mm -hmm. but... Like I said, I'm a horror fan, and you can say whatever you want, oh, this movie wasn't scary, but horror is not just jump scares. Horror is psychological. Horror is in your head. It, it, everything. Horror is anything right. that makes you feel on edge. Well, and this film is something that someone and could actually is, do this. And this is a real life horror. It's, so. it's domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. It's paranoia. 
and it's just the fear of being watched, the fear of the unknown, that's a real fear, and that is genuine horror. I would take that over, you know, something popping out any day. And then you think about him popping out, because he does. The technology that's used is we're on... The this precipice of that. This is how you do that. a modern take. You so, don't, this is how you do a modern horror movie. It's yeah. how you reimagine a horror film. And Elizabeth Moss is slowly becoming one of my favorite actresses ever. Oh, she's fantastic in she's everything. She's fantastic in everything she does. Oh. And this is how you do it. You don't cast Tom Tom Cruise. You don't cast all these other people, Russell Crowe, and throw them on a plane and make them do this awkward scream and then have the mummy come out and then mm-hmm. the mummy mm-hmm. and then have him be the, the actual monster and then throw the actual mummy character away and start a whole dark universe that goes nowhere. And you're like, what? Sorry, I'm rambling. That's <laughs> not how you, how you revamp a horror film. But I, I agree. This is how you do it. And I love it because I've been a supporter of James Wan and Lee Whannell since their Saw days. And I'm so happy that Lee Whannell finally got a film that's putting him on the map. I know he directed, I believe, the third Insidious. He's been writing most of James Wan's films. I'm glad he got to direct and write this film because he is who to go to if you want a good horror movie. Well, and the thing with this one is, too, is that I feel like The Invisible Man isn't, like, right on our radar either. Like, I feel like we immediately go to, like, Frankenstein, Dracula, The Mummy. No, yeah, and you're right. And this is something that is... It's terrifying. I had to beg my mom to watch this, right? And my mom is like our um, our uh, our unspeaking guest host because yeah. I mention her a lot. Um, she didn't want to watch it, and she loved it. Yeah, loved so, it. Because again, and, and I, when I when I remember watching this trailer in theaters, mm-hmm. people were were laughing at it because it's like, oh, it's Invisible Man. It's stupid. Like that mm-hmm. name doesn't strike fear anymore. No. Invisible Man. It doesn't. But at the time, it, it, it is. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And you think, I believe, I don't know, I want to say it was Claude Rains who was the Invisible Man when he first came out. Just I think so. His, just the way he did it and his maniacal like cackle that he does as he's like undoing the bandages and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, that was scary. That was terrifying. It's That's a man like- who's like, I have power and I'm laughing at it. Like, I'm laughing because I have it. And mm-hmm. this one, it's just, it's so twisted, it's so demented, but it's so modern and i just think that moss sells the fear perfectly and the visual effects in this are fantastic well it's the perfect story of basically someone with like battered wife syndrome yeah and she finally has the strength to leave her sociopathic partner yeah and i i really appreciate the casting in this film because i mean elizabeth moss i think she's really pretty myself but she's not classically gorgeous She's like an everyday woman to me in this yeah. role as... Like, it. she has the appearance that, like, that's me. That's that me. me, basically. And that's what I really liked about this film was, like, that could happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. This could happen to myself, my best friend, to the girl next door. Like, this could be happening in any relationship. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on. And on the surface, you look at their life and he's this billionaire tech guy and they look like they have this perfect life and in fact he's terrorizing her yeah and oh the sound design in that oh it's so awesome like every watch it so many times i'm just like you can hear that he's actually standing right there you can hear the little cameras like you can hear it Mm -hmm. you and the camera pans and it lingers on nothing for 
seconds, and it's right. like he's standing right there. It well, that's the fear. That's where the fear comes in. It's like you build that fear yourself because now you're starting to wonder, and now you're starting to get paranoid. Is he like, standing is there? He standing right there. I don't know. I thought I, I, I think I see something move. I see it, and you're telling yourself that he's there, and maybe he's not. Well, and half the time too, where she believes he is, and where you subsequently believe he is, he's not even standing there. Yeah. He's standing somewhere completely different. He's building the fear, and I think that's why this film is great. It builds yeah. fear in the best way. Yeah. I love it. And it's so, funny because yeah. you said that about like listen when I watched it with my mom. It was the second time I said listen for it. Just listen, listen. And she was like, "What am I listening for?" I'm like, "You'll hear him. Listen." Because she was like, "I don't understand how he could be here." I'm like, "Listen, listen, listen." And she was like, "Oh my God, what's clicking? What is that?" It's like he's in the room. Yeah, he's watching. The whole <laughs> he's watching time. the entire time. Yeah, that's, so that's my number nine, and I'm glad it's good play. So good pick. It's funny. I actually almost picked it, and I went, yeah, "Well." I have to. And I had to pick Palm Springs, so here we go. Um, so awesome, good pick. Uh, so my number eight is one that I know a lot of people said was boring and dragged out, but it was The Assistant. Yeah, I, a lot of these movies on these on this list on mine and yours are got shit on by God, audiences. And, sure did. But that's what happens. Um, audiences and critics never never look the same thing. Right, and we both have kind of. We have tastes that kind of go kind of all over the place. Um, but this movie really struck me. It's just the day in the life of an average girl who is working as an assistant to an entertainment mogul. And it's just a day in her life from getting there before everyone else does at the butt crack of dawn. And she's the last person to leave super late in the evening. Nobody thanks her for anything she does. She's basically like the unsung hero of the office. Like, this office couldn't function without her, yeah. essentially. Um, I mean, it could, but it's a matter of would these people even condescend to do the menial jobs that she does. Mm-hmm. And they take her for granted while not even acknowledging her existence. Yeah. And you think about it, for anyone who's worked at an entry-level job, that when was the last time someone above you thanked you for what you did? Or even just yeah. said hello to you and acknowledge that you're you're in the room, that you're there, you're a person. And the scene that really struck me was when she's in the break room and she was washing the dishes that she had. They were her dishes, no one else's. And these two ladies that were above her that were working in the office were talking about how they were afraid they were going to get fired, etc., etc., left their dishes on the counter and just dipped. Mm-hmm. Neither of them said anything to her and just left their crap for her to clean up and take care of Mm -hmm. and the look of hurt on her face i mean oh my heart just broke for her over just the fact that she's got to just wash a plate but it just oh it hurts so bad because you think about how many other tasks she's done throughout the day yeah that nobody even bothered to say anything to her for or were mean to her about and then you get into the whole basis of the film is that her boss is using his position to sleep with these young actresses that come in and want to Mm -hmm. basically partner with his company and be represented by him Mm -hmm. and get roles in films or theater etc and he's using his basically it's like a harvey weinstein movie yeah um Mm -hmm. and that she knows what's going on behind the closed door and can't do anything about it Um, And what's heartbreaking is when she goes to HR to try to do something about it, they basically tell her, you're a silly little girl. 
do you want this job or not? Look the other way. Yeah. And that harkens back to what I said earlier about um, when we were talking about Judas and the Black Messiah is that ultimately she chooses to look the other way. Um, and I saw online a lot of flack given to this character about how she had no moral compass, that she should have basically turned her boss in and pursued, you know, taking him down. But again, you don't know the position of this person until you're put in it. Right. And basically everyone's telling her, just, just let it go. Let it go. And he has no, her boss has no interest in her. So she's safe from his... Yeah. Prowess, I guess you could say. Um, which also kind of, you can tell, stings her a little bit. Where it's like, God, she's not, that she's not pretty enough. God, I'm not pretty enough for you. I mean, I don't want you to do this to me, but wow, okay. Yeah. But you see her think, do I want to move forward with my career or do I want to do what's ethical? Right. And I feel like that's a dilemma that a lot of people find themselves in. Yeah. So, um, and this is an ongoing thing in not just the entertainment business, but in any business in general, sexual harassment and on both sides of the coin for men and women. I don't want to say that. It's just men taking advantage of women. We know it happens the right. other way around too. Right. Um, but it just really struck me just how emotional this film was. So. Yeah. And Julia Gardner was a great actress. Um, she's fantastic and she sells it perfectly oh she does and there's a lot of silence in this film and it's a lot of you can just feel her emotions coming through like with her body language and her facial expressions Mm -hmm. and oh she's fantastic in it so Mm -hmm. that was my number um my uh my number eight so i mean that's a good pick so i am gonna say right now um it was limited release (laughs) limited release january 31st um of last year but we'll, we'll come <laughs> but it wasn't widely released until after january 31st I think it went straight to streaming after that did it okay because i was gonna say like i can amend my list but everything yeah. i saw was that it was after well no because i mean that. even if it was limited in, in january i mean there was no way to do it wide if, if yeah it was shut down, so. so and i believe it was getting i thought it was getting considered for this whole thing so um that's the reason why i was like i am almost certain i saw that it was that's fine it's still a good pick i I, like i said it was on my radar too it it probably hit like in the top 20 but yeah yeah so sorry if that one's kind of like a gray area if it can count or not Mm -hmm. but i'm gonna go with it counts so (laughs) no it's a good pick good pick either way so yeah um my number eight is film we just saw and it's gonna be a little hard for some people to watch it but that is uh, minari um, I really wanted this to be higher. I just looking at it, I'm like, there are films that I just I love a lot better. But um, A24, who is a company that if you don't know who they are, get on board. Everything they put out, if if it's not you know fantastic, it is at least creatively unique. Um, this company supports any and all filmmakers. Robert Eggers. Uh, Ari Aster, the, those are two of the big names, and obviously they did, you know, The Witch, um, Hereditary. Those are those, those are those films, and A24. They also did Moonlight, I believe. So it's a great company. So easily, when I saw A24, I was like, this is gonna be a great film. Um, I asked you that too. I was like, A24 does a lot. I believe That's the like... director is Lee Isaac Chung. Uh, yeah, written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung, and. 
It's a Korean film. It's it has English and in Korean, so you know, don't worry, whatever. Um, it is hard to find right now. It it we were able to see it. A twenty four is doing virtual screenings. I believe there are still tickets available if you still want to watch it. Um, twenty bucks, I think, a viewing. You have four hours to watch it, but mm-hmm. fantastic film. It has a great Q and A afterwards, so stick around and watch it. Yeah. I know for um, anyone living in like the Orange County, LA area, it is going to a drive-in this weekend. This weekend, yeah, it'll be a drive-in. So um, check it out. This film is just great. It's really nineteen seventies Midwest Korean family just trying to start a life, and where one person sees, where the father sees a dream, and the father sees life growing. You know, the wife doesn't. She sees her dreams and her life, you know, thriving in the city, not in, you know, farmlands. They're going backwards instead of forwards. Right. That's how she sees it. And you have these two children who are just watching the push and pull of this mother and father argument basically every day and, you know, kind of having to take care of themselves. It's fantastic. And the grandmother is the best person in that film, the best character, the best, you know, performance. I think she's adorable and she's funny. She's a grandmother. She will scold you, but she will turn around and hug you right after. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't care. And they keep joking that she's not a quote-unquote real grandma. Yeah. And because she's so bizarre. Like, she's she's watching wrestling and, like, saying, oh, you know, he's going to get beat up. Ooh, their muscles. Yeah. And... <laughs> And it's a really sweet story about this, the real-life struggle of anybody, but in particular uh, an immigrant family trying to start a life. And this town is not negative towards these people at all. This family is pretty much accepted. Mm-hmm. Accepted into their church, accepted into, you know, the town, the city. The people are all very accepting and very, you know, they're confused. They don't know how to approach uh, you know, a foreign family, and they do have their preconceived notions of what this foreign family. But they're not is like negative. no, and they're not cruel to them. No. They're not mean to them. Um, but regardless, that being said, the struggle is still difficult because the family has their own sets of hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. And I love the the um, symbolism of what the Minari is and how the grandma is like this is a great spot and they're like this is a weird spot it shouldn't thrive here it shouldn't grow here why are we going to plant this here and there's dangerous things around them there's like snakes and stuff and that symbolism of you just need doesn't matter how strange the area doesn't matter how dangerous the area and how new find a spot leave it alone be patient and it will thrive Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what the family needs to do you're in a weird spot it's a dangerous area you know don't get scared just be patient and you will thrive. This is a random spot for you guys to be put. And that is exactly what is going on with the Minari and with the family. Is they need to just be patient with each other and they will survive. Yes. And that's just perfect. So. So I thought everything about it was great. The score is fantastic. It's just great movie. Steven Yeun too. I only knew him from Walking Dead. <laughs> so I only knew him as Glenn. And it was great to see him do this kind of role in his like you know, language. Mm -hmm. So fantastic. So it's funny that that was your number eight because it was my number seven. (laughs) Okay. I guess we can just keep talking about it. That's my eight. We'll go into your seven. Just to kind of, I didn't want to like segue you, but I just thought while we're on the subject of Minari, um, it was my number seven pick. Um, but basically for the same reasons I picked it. Um, I put it a little further ahead because I liked it more than I liked the assistant. 
if that makes sense. Like, if I had to pick oh, easily. between... Minari is far better film to me than the assistant. Yeah, and I could watch Minari over and over and over again, whereas I need to be in a certain mood for the assistant. because well, Minari has, like, that balance of humor mm -hmm. and fun and just the, the little kid. Is, Alan Kim, I think is his name. As ah. David. He is adorable and fantastic. He's so the cutest little kid. And then you look at his... Like, he's grown up an American little boy. Like, he's Korean, but when you know because i kept laughing like he keeps saying his grandma's not a real grandma it's because he's looking at well what white grandmas are like american grandmas american grandmas they you know they bake their cookies they mm -hmm. they know how to cook they give warm hugs you know they're a little more soft around the edges and, and here's here's this woman she's that's calling just, them bastards playing card games she's it's like teaching them how to gamble yeah and she's wild yeah and she comes with a suitcase full of crap that he's looking at like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she sleeps on the floor. She doesn't sleep in a bed. She doesn't care, yeah. She literally doesn't give a flying fig about anything. Yeah. Um, but she ends up being like his best friend. Mm -hmm. um, he has a heart condition and he's encouraged not to play really hard. He's encouraged not to run. And she's like, run. Yeah. Like, be a kid. Yeah. And she plays with him. She hangs out with him, and they ultimately develop this really sweet Well, they little... plant the Minari together. They plant the Minari together, and she takes him out there, and the scene with the snake, and he's afraid of it, and she's like, no, no, just leave it alone. It's okay. And so she teaches him patience, and she also gives him the kind of, I would say, like... I know when you think about kids and respect, you don't think of, like, the adult giving a kid respect, right. but I feel like she respects this little boy. And yeah, she treats him not like him, like an equal in terms of like she's the elder and he's, you know, the younger, but she treats him like he's, he's not like, how do I put it? Like his parents kind of treat him like he should be in like a bubble right. and sheltered and protected. And she's like, get dirty, scrape yeah. your knees. Yeah. Like you're fine. And she lets him, she pushes his boundaries Yeah. and he loves her. He goes from being afraid and disdainful to being just in love with his grandma. <laughs> he go, yeah, he goes, from, <laughs> he goes from saying she smells like Korea to, you know. Like, I love my grandma. Right, yeah. And, I mean, he, like, gives her his, like, pee for her tea and tricks her. Yeah. And that ultimately becomes, like, a bonding moment for yeah. the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's what really struck me was just the relationship between the little boy and the grandma. And then, obviously, the father who wants so badly to provide for his family and make this dream come true. Mm -hmm. And you see his wife, who you also can't... You don't hate her for not being supportive because you learn... She has a good, she has a good perspective, too. She does. And you look at it as they left their home for hopefully a better life and they're not going anywhere. Right. Like, she's losing her, her faith. But she still believes in him. Mm-hmm. There's, you know... I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, so... But, but yeah, she does. Asleep. It's just you see the, the, the struggles that couples go through. Right. And it just... It was a very beautiful story, and that's why I picked it as my number seven. Okay. So... Yeah. Uh, my number seven, we've already spoken about, but it's One Night in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same reasons why I mentioned earlier, just because the balance of four great performances with... The historical significance of the event with the mm -hmm. themes being discussed with the fact that it's in one setting pre predominantly i mean this was a stage play so obviously you're going to have something that's in a small set with pure dialogue mm -hmm. 
and just ideas bouncing back and forth. And I think it was written by uh, Kemp Powers, I think it was. I have to look. Um, who also, if it was Kemp Powers, I believe it was, yes, he was also a co-director for Soul. Side little fun oh. fact there. So, yeah, I'm glad Kemp Powers is getting getting his name out there because it's a great writer, great eye. So, uh, yeah, I, there's nothing more for me to add on other than what we already talked about. So, One Night in Miami was my number seven. So, casting for that film was fantastic. Oh, it's fantastic. Let me just put that. James Brown was my favorite. Was it James? Jim Brown. Jim Brown, yeah. I was like, Jim Brown, yeah. It was probably James and like his full name, I'm assuming, yeah. But Jim Brown, yeah. yeah. He's... Oh, he was in Invisible Man too. A little yeah, overlap Aldous, there. All this Hodge, I think, is his name. He I was, was like, fantastic. he was the cop yeah. that she lived with in Invisible Man. So, yeah, he's oh, he was my favorite. Yeah, I really liked him. Ooh. Anyways, the whole movie, right? So that's my number seven. I mean, we were, like I said, we already talked about it. Sorry, so. I went on a little like fangirl moment no, there. <laughs> but what do you got? Six for my number six. Oh, it's Mank. Okay. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was kind of anticipating that reaction. Did you know this was going to be on my list? Yeah, that, I, I had it on my list, and then I pushed it out to honorable mentions, and then I it just it went away. Just like, there's just something about it that I just couldn't get behind. Yeah. Granted, Gary Oldman is fantastic as always, and Fincher directed it as great as he usually does. But yeah, I don't know. Something about it just didn't click to me as top ten worthy. Yeah. I, it's funny because like I know we both kind of clashed is too hard of a, a word to use but we had differing opinions I think on this film yeah um whereas you watched this probably when one of the out. when it first came out yeah. and I just watched it mm-hmm. like last week yeah um and I had been meaning to watch it and meaning to watch it and it just kept falling off my radar other things came up and yeah and I thought oh, I'll get to it eventually and oh my god I loved it a for one thing i love that it's in black and white i love that it fully captured the feel and aesthetic of an old hollywood film as much as they could um and because i mean obviously like that's not a perfect science anymore nothing's going to be it wasn't even a science back then like it's just what they had um so i feel like it really captured that old feel and i have this love for old black and white films i have a love for old hollywood and this just ticked all my boxes. Like we just said, Gary Oldman was fantastic in it. Um, Amanda Seyfried was, oh my gosh, I can't get over how good she was in this film. And then Charles Dance, I mean, I'd only really ever seen him in Game of Thrones. And um, what was it? Um, Me Before You. Yeah. And oh, he's just fantastic. Everybody was great. The casting was perfect. The story was great. I, I liked that it went kind of back and forth between the past and the present. Um, I did kind of have a leg up since you did tell me the film does kind of jump all over the place. Well, no, I, I didn't mean like so, jump between time. I just meant like, only and yeah, the focus that it doesn't goes in all these places before it finally, you know, gets where it needs together. to go. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, with that being, excuse me, with that being said, I. I kind of went in already kind of prepared yeah. to like really pay attention to what the crap is going on. Whereas I feel like if you hadn't said that and I went into this kind of like, I don't want to say blind, but like a blank slate, I would have been like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what is this doing? But I just, I just really liked it. And also it kind of confirmed my opinion of Orson Welles that I've had for like ever. 
that he's very talented, but come on, give, give someone credit where credit is due. Like, yeah. you did not write this script, yeah. or this screenplay, excuse me. Like, no. and that's what really struck me. Like, I had a whole rant when I was done watching this film, where it was just a matter of, like, someone fighting for credit where it's due, and then it ultimately screwed them in the end. Like, yeah. And that just hurts, and then you think, God, how much does this continue to go on? Yeah. And, you know, we could go into the whole thing about, like, ghostwriting and other things that go on now, yeah. and it's kind of a scary thought if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't want to say discouraging, but it's kind of like, okay, be wary, y'all. No, Hollywood's a skeevy business. Let's so, know that. Let, let's go in and yeah. with our eyes wide open here. But I just, I really was charmed by the story. Um, obviously, like, I, I liked Citizen Kane, and then just to kind of see, like, a story about the origin of that was really, yeah. really cool, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've just, eh, just missed my cut, though, but that's alright. That's okay. It's um, not for everyone. We'll put no, it that way. That is not a film for everyone. That's just venture. Um, and right. I won't take it personally if someone doesn't like this film. Like, I get it. No, so. Have different opinions yeah. Them, so. Um, my number six is going to be Wolfwalkers. Oh, yes! <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Wolfwalkers is easily the best animated film. I'm sorry, Disney, Pixar, and I, I, as beautiful as Soul looked in the story. Wolf as cute Walkers, as Onward was. Wolfwalkers is just something entirely different on a whole nother level. Um, one being that I am a huge fan of traditional 2D animation. Mm-hmm. As good as 3D animation has evolved into I think there's something about 2D that adds a layer of like magic to a film. And the fact that this story is magical in a way, it adds that even more. And then the fact that they leave in like the sketching, the sketch drawings mm-hmm. in the actual character designs. So obviously, you know, for anybody who does an animation, I'm sure you do, you start off by just drawing shapes. Yeah. And then you add the details later. This film, you could still see the circles of the head sketches or the body sketches in the actual final product, and I just thought that was like that's cool. They didn't. That just shows that like you can leave those there and still tell a compelling story, mm-hmm. and it is a very adorable story. It's a very sweet story. Um, very simple. Again, it's a it's a same you know hits all the beats that you need to hit, but there's just something about the animation style and the humor of it and just the magical magicalness mm-hmm. I guess that's part of it um, I, and I don't know what else to it's there. based out of an Irish film company too so this yeah. is all made based at home like I don't want to say at home but out of Ireland this is their mm-hmm. their studios etc so this isn't like a Hollywood production this is from no. there and you look at I mean it's technically a foreign film um and technically. technically, yeah. Um, I know we think of them as like our brothers and sisters across the pond, but yeah. it's technically a foreign film. And you look at this animation style, and I mean, I think we forget that a lot of classically good animated films are made this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've just become very accustomed to seeing like the the new animation style and like yeah. whatnot and 
there's just something about it. It's just very charming. And finally, a movie where Sean Bean doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I just couldn't. I, I liked it a lot. Good pick. Definitely the animated film of the year. Sorry, Disney. I'm... Sorry, Willoughby's. Willoughby's. That's a side <laughs> note movie that you guys should watch, too. That's a movie. That movie is damn charming. It is so and cute. I posted a review on our Instagram of it, and I got a comment from a mother who not only her last name was Willoughby, but she also has four children, two of which are twin boys, just for ah! the film. And I was like, that is perfect. You're literally the living representation of this Willoughby. You are family. the Willoughbys. And she just thought it was a neat fact, and I was like, I agree. That's a super neat fact. You have the same number of kids, two twin boys, and you're a Willoughby. So. I thought it was adorable. That movie's cute. Just watch it. We it's... thoroughly enjoyed that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the style is also beautiful in that, so... I feel it's... like that one topped Soul and Onward for me, too. I'm sorry, Pixar and Disney, but... <laughs> the Willoughby's, the Willoughby's was so great. But, yeah. um, Anyways, that was, that was my number six. Awesome. So, well, on to number five. I picked Emma. <laughs> I saw it and I was just like... Like, what? No. <laughs> Like, I, don't... It, it, I knew that wasn't going to be on my list, but it was a good movie. Um, and I kind of knew that going in. That We went to that more for me, I think, than anything else. Yeah. Um, because I was very excited to see this film. And we saw it at the Alamo. Alamo Draft House in Delphine, LA. And I had never been to one, and all oh, my life has changed. That was so cool. It's a very great house, dear. <laughs> that was honestly like... And that might be why I like this film as much as I do, because I thoroughly enjoyed my viewing experience. Yeah. Um. But Anya Taylor-Joy is fantastic as Emma. In everything. She's great, and she's a queen. She's great in everything. She's Gambit. Watch that. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, she saved New Mutants for me. Um, I think that film was beyond saving. But, yeah, she was the big part of it. uh, But she's fantastic as Emma, and this is a very satirical version of Emma. Uh So, obviously, it does follow the story. Um... Written by Jane Austen, it follows the same story arc that the Gwyneth Paltrow, um... Jeremy Northam one did but there's just something about this one and I feel like it's because it's so satirical and kind of snarky and sassy Mm -hmm. that it really just appealed to me and I actually like um this version of Mr. Knightley better than the Gwyneth Paltrow one and that was like my foundation for Jane Austen film Mm -hmm. growing up and I just like the operatic singing in it is fantastic and the costuming is beautiful bill nye as her father yeah and he's just so eccentric and kind of wild and i i I have the biggest smile on my face right now talking about this film but it just filled me with so much joy yeah and it is is a cute movie i just and and the thing it's some people might argue that this shouldn't be on a top 10 list, but I, I pick it because this no, is a movie I can watch over and over and matter. over. People can tell you anything so. to be on your list or not on your list. Whatever, it's your list. Who cares? Right. Well, I have a couple more that'll probably upset it's somebody. It's on your list. But it's it, on my list. It is your preference. Um, You're not saying this is the hands down, you know, best of all time. This is the grandest movie ever. This is your preference. But I really loved it. And if you're a Jane Austen fan, then this is for you. Just bear in mind, it is a satire. Mm-hmm. So it does have a different feel to it. But that's kind of what I go for, though. I mean, The Death of Stalin is like, one of my I favorite feel like, films. Honestly, a lot so. of Jane Austen 
adaptations right now have that sort of like period piece gossip vibe to them anyway. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's where Jane Austen's work has has sort of gone to. At this right. Point, so. And I feel like this one did it the right way, if that makes sense. Right. Where it didn't feel like frivolous or silly. It was done. No, it was right. good. I so, liked it, so yeah, and the Alamo was fantastic, and I can't wait for it to open up again. Yeah. So please open. No, I, I definitely. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Okay. My number five film is a movie that will probably go home with Best Picture this year, but that is Nomadland. Mm. Um, we also just saw it. It is on Hulu. The, I think the day after it premiered on Hulu, I sat down and watched it because yeah. um, it's getting so much buzz. Like I said, it will probably take home the big prize this season. Um, I would be surprised if it didn't. The movie is good in many ways. One, the big one being that this is a... It's based on a book, mm-hmm. and the book is essentially the story of the author who's a journalist, and she basically went and lived with these people, and they are called nomads. Nomads, they are yeah. A, a group of people that, after you know, you know, specifically in this in the book and the film, I think it's after the 2008 recession, but there are other characters in the story who you learn throughout that it wasn't a recession, it wasn't you know a big money thing, it was just they felt something incomplete in their life and Mm -hmm. they decided I'm gonna live on my own I don't need a big house I don't need fancy possessions I just want the open road live on my own and just meet wonderful people and visit Mm -hmm. these beautiful places like someone had said like they realized like they had the home they had the job and it was just I've never felt anything right I've never seen anything and so these characters in the film though fictionalized are portrayed by or influenced by the real people that were also in the book. Right. So. Uh, I believe Frances McDormand, obviously actress, fantastic, one of the best performances of the year. Um, She's great in everything. She, she might even <laughs> win again. That, that'll be her third best actress in Oscar too. So. She is essentially the lead character and her best friend. Linda May. Linda May, there you go. She's a real nomad in real life mm-hmm. and she's, you know, playing herself in this film and you just it adds that enhances the reality of the mm-hmm. situation and the way it's directed but I, I think it's uh, Chloe Zhao I don't mm-hmm. want to mispronounce it but great direction great you know just everything about it it captures the loneliness but the wonder of being a nomad yeah like you are lonely but you see so many great things that you wouldn't just notice right like the, the thing that, that Linda May talks about is finding this little uh, area that she's kayaking in and oh swanky swanky, swanky. yeah, yeah swanky. who's also a real nomad mm-hmm. in real life swanky she finds you know I, she tells the story and the camera just holds on her she tells it it's great where you can almost see for yourself without even visually see, seeing yeah. it hey, I mean, what she's later, talking about this nest this whole big nest of swallows mm-hmm. and just flying around her and just that is what the film's about it's finding the beauty and the things that everyone just overlooks because mm-hmm. they see beauty in, you know, prized possessions or houses or cars. And these people see it in, in life, in nature, in each other. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're like, hey, here's a pile of free stuff. You can, it's like, yeah. take a possession, leave a possession kind of thing. Right. They trade and... They're helpful. They're helpful. Extremely helpful with each other. Well, and then you look at that situation too. And the first thing I thought of was like, God, how safe could this possibly be? Um, yeah. 
and you do see some apprehension but you see this is a community of people that cares for each other that looks out for each other right and you have a moment between swanky and francis mcdormand and she's like you need to be prepared for anything um out here because you could get stranded you don't know who's gonna come along but you never have that moment where something truly awful happens and to me i thought that was really great because it shows to me the inherent goodness that is in humanity that there wasn't that moment where like something god awful happens to her out there um no and you can feel that happens to her but well i'm talking like someone like hurting her or worse um which was my fear is like god something she could be out in the middle of nowhere and someone could totally take advantage of her yeah like um and they don't put that in the film there's never a moment like that and i really appreciated that nothing like that this isn't a film that's meant to say hey look at these these poor people pity them no it's look at these people look at what they're doing with their lives look at this community of people you might see this as oh you're wasting your life blah 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 Mm -hmm. you know in the film francis mcdormand's character her family has money they have great lives she just chooses not to have it so it's not a matter of pity these people it's this is the choice they want to do this this is the life they want you can't don't pity them they wanted this right and and they're making the best of it she actually meets someone that she has a connection with that wants her to stay with him and his family yeah. And she ultimately chooses to go back on the road again. Right. It's what she needs emotionally. Yeah. And in and of itself, it is its own happy ending. Um, it's her own happy It's ending. her own happy ending. And I this didn't make it on my list, and I really fought with myself over that because I actually had guilt not putting it on my list no, because it's, I it's liked it. a beautiful film. Um, cinematography-wise, I think it's fantastic top notch notch. it looks great the camera work is fantastic the shooting in the close quarters within you know the van or on location out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. um fantastic so and then you see like rural parts of america that i think a lot of us don't even think of are there that are perfectly accessible for us to go see um, and it's kind of sparked this like wanderlust in me yeah. to, to go see so some of these places. The yeah. Just to get on the road and go see these places. So yeah. yeah, these aren't, yeah, don't, don't, yeah, these aren't, this isn't like a PSA on like help the people. No, it's look at what they're doing with themselves. Look at how well they're, they're doing. Well, and another thing too, is they don't want your help either. No, they're perfectly, they have each other. They're perfectly fine and very self-sufficient and extremely independent and this isn't a pity the poor kind of a thing it's or you know and the thing too is that i really like that they said is why are you homeless i'm not homeless i just don't live in a house perfect and there's a difference (laughs) so um where it's i choose to live like this Mm -hmm. i this is my home yeah i thought it was great so yeah 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 it's probably gonna win but yeah i was number five great pick um well moving on to number four then um i don't know if you watched this one or not but um uncle frank was my number four i haven't seen it uh i actually really struggled between this one and the boys in the band um because they both struck me emotionally the same way Mm -hmm. um but ultimately i picked uncle frank because at the end of the boys in the band i don't know why i just felt really angry (laughs) i didn't like the feeling that that left me with and and i can't even really explain why 
and obviously they, they discuss similar themes. It's about the struggle with being gay mm-hmm. and being okay with yourself. Kind of at a similar point in time, too. Yeah. Um, whereas for Uncle Frank, they're in the South, and in the boys in the band, they're in New York City. So yeah. two very different, you know, yeah. places. And obviously Frank in this film works in New York, mm-hmm. where I don't want to say his life is easy, but... It's not like the South. Let's put it that way. At this time in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, so, just the culture is very different. So, there's already a very different like aesthetic and vibe to it. Um, the Boys in the Band was a play. And this was just... Yeah. Film. This wasn't. It was a film. Um, but what struck me about this was... Paul Bettany was... Oh my god, he was fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. And I keep blanking on what her name is. She was in It. What's her name? Oh, the girl, like Beverly? Yes, Beverly. Mm-hmm. Um, she's his niece in this film. And her performance with him, like, their chemistry was fantastic. And the dynamic between the two of them and just his dynamic with their whole family and his awful father, who was yeah. so cruel to him growing up. I just emotionally, like this hit me really hard and i texted you and i was like i am blubbering i can't stop crying mm-hmm. um simply because it just struck me so hard this film yeah um, yeah and the support he has from his partner is just oh my gosh if i could ever have a relationship like that oh mm-hmm. <laughs> they're the whole thing. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm sitting here like, I'm going to cry again. I'm thinking about no, this it's film. Been, it's been on my list. Um, uh, it was definitely a movie that but, got some attention when it first came out. So Yeah. And I saw too on Rotten Tomatoes. It doesn't have the highest, like... No. And there, with films like that, it's, it's, it's unfortunately a thing that critics hate is when the message is being forced, forcibly pushed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that this film does it because I haven't seen it, but... I, I do I do know that notice that for certain films, when it's dealing with a heavy topic, and the filmmakers push it, yeah, sort of force you to feel bad. Mm-hmm. Filmmakers are like, no, let let it come naturally. So maybe that's what the film does. Again, I haven't seen it. I don't know. And maybe again too, that's all personal perspective because I didn't feel like anything was being pushed at me with this film. Right. Um, but I can see why maybe a critic or another viewer would think that. Um, um, I can't speak for someone else's opinion yeah. or their the way they view things, but I felt it was perfect. No, that's and fine. You're, yeah, you're, it's I, your own opinion. I, I can't get over how good Paul Bettany was, too, in this film. Yeah. And just, oh my gosh, I, I, I have, we have to move on. I'm going to start that's crying. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So. My number four, um, I'm a little bummed that it's, that it's that low, but, um, it's Promising Young Woman. Oh. Yeah. Oh. At number four. I, I, <laughs> Did you expect it to be higher? I don't know. I, I'm Honestly, I was really afraid you were going to axe it altogether. No. Because I loved it so much. No, no. Promising Young Woman. Uh, this is the film that, I, that we saw that preceded News of the World. So I think I was riding on the coattails of this film still. Um, we both were like, oh. Uh, well, because I, I had seen, the trailer had the trailer looked fantastic. The trailer looked great. It didn't look as great as it turned out to be. It just looked like here's a like a sexy, stylish thriller 
mm-hmm. uh, that's gonna have a really great performance. Like she's clearly going through something, and and I just I knew it was gonna be good. But I didn't think it was gonna be this good. Um, Emerald Fennel is the writer director. If you watch The Crown, she's on The Crown. That's mm-hmm. the only thing I, I knew her from. It, it, it's just something about this film. It, it's particular. It's aimed at a particular group yeah. of, of of women. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean. Anybody, honestly, anybody who's gone through, you know, sexual abuse and stuff. But it is very much so, you know, Carrie Mulligan, who, female performance of the year for me. Oh, same. Uh, I put one her of, down. One of three of my tops. I already said Frances McDormand. Carrie Mulligan is my second. Um, essentially just went through the ringer in, in college. And yeah. her best friend went through the ringer. And she's just trying to exact her revenge. Not necessarily what you think not necessarily what you think is literal pound for pound revenge right it starts off as like here's a a a not so friendly reminder yeah to be to be nice to to women be better yeah (laughs) so so the film starts off with you know setting it up as oh she's just gonna be doing this but no it escalates from like it cranks it to 11 and it becomes this and it's a little bit of on the extreme side where it's a little too, like, planned, mm-hmm. the, the way it ends. But it's just like, you're on board with this character from the start. You're like, you're like you go. Like, yes. And at the same time, with how planned the end was, after getting to know her character, you can also see that being that meticulous, too, right. is part of her well, character, and even too. Though, even though the so. end might be a tad ridiculous, like I said, the way that her performance and character has grown, you're all for it. You're just like, yes, you get you get whatever you're trying to get. It's an extreme ending for an extreme woman, too. Right. So. But yeah, her her performance is just... Yeah. It, there's just a, it's just perfect. And Bill Burnham, who's also fantastic in the movie, he's a comedian, and for him to be in this film and have that kind of role I was surprised with his acting abilities Mm -hmm. I was already impressed with his directing abilities because he directed 8th grade which is a favorite of mine I I believe two years ago when it came out Um, and to see him in this and do a really good job acting wise great he broke my heart in this yeah (laughs) and and it's just the whole film is all about just like who can you trust and the past comes back to bite you in the ass or are you forgiving or are you vengeful um it just depends how has trauma affected you in your life well and then you look at she's kind of in between because i kind of went into this thinking like oh my god what is she gonna do to these men yeah and all she does is she literally with her words scares the shit out of them yeah she doesn't attack any of them well i mean yeah at some point we go to the extreme here right but she literally goes in and uses her words to teach someone a lesson also has a heart because the character goes to um, the lawyer, Alfred Molina's character. Mm-hmm. Brief stand, maybe like five minutes of screen time for him, but fantastic. She has a heart because unlike all the other people she's encountered, he says something that she does not expect. He's actually remorseful for what he's done. Where these other people are just like, I didn't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. Certainly, you know, they're turning a blind eye basically. And he's like, I know exactly what I did and I fucked up. Well, and I think the really good thing about this film, too, is that we're harping a lot on, like, men taking advantage of women. Obviously, this is a film about raping girls. 
in college. Um, and anyone going to school right now, I'm assuming, has to go through the whole like sexual harassment yeah. and all that stuff before you're allowed to start taking your classes. I know I just had to retake all that stuff before I started my term. Um, but you look at also, hey, look at the other women that are turning a blind eye or saying, oh, well, she was drunk, she deserved it, or she dressed like a slut, she was asking for it. This isn't just a one-way conversation of men versus women, it's everybody. It leans more to to one side. It does. It does present the other view. Right, you get where you have the girlfriend from school that was like, oh, well, she was asking for it, and... Well, I didn't know that was going on, but she probably deserved it anyways. The, the dean or to the whatever. dean, who was like, "These are promising young men." Yeah, she's like, "What about <laughs> promising young women? Mm-hmm. What about them? Like, like their careers are taking off, and this girl's what happened to her? Like her life is in the gutter now because yeah. she's emotionally yeah. gone." So, it's that was something I really appreciated. What that is, it wasn't just blaming just men. It's hey, ladies, we gotta yeah switch our thinking around too. And it made me kind of think, like, as a woman, have I ever judged another girl based on how she's dressed or how she's behaving? And also to think, like, does that justify, like, if, say, she's drunk and she got drunk herself, does that justify someone taking advantage of her? No. (laughs) But how dare someone judge someone? Yeah. And also, what if that was you? Right. So... Yeah, sorry, yeah, that was it, my no, moral no, spiel there. It's very much a moral thing, but it's done in this stylized thriller way that just... It's refreshing, it's on a whole nother level, and the soundtrack is fantastic. Yeah, we both... That was another one walking out of the, the theater. The soundtrack is fantastic. The fact that you can get... What is it? Toxic by Britney Spears? Yeah. And the way they play that song, that, that cover that they do, it, mm-hmm. that, that just made that whole sequence and that whole film just like, yes, this is that's the kind of film this is and it's perfect well and then in the conclusion with angel of the morning playing by juice newton it was like oh queen yeah you slay yeah it was so good yeah the film was just great so great yeah that's my four i think yeah four so i was gonna say watch promising young woman (laughs) that's what we're getting from this uh well number three it's coming are you ready it's on the list. The Vast of Night is my number three. Okay. That's fine. No. <laughs> you, you had to know that was going to no, be I on my list. Um, because, again, we watched this. It's an Amazon Prime film. Yes. And I'd been dying to watch it. And for whatever reason, I just hadn't. And thought, you know what? For this project, we got to watch it. And oh, through the whole thing, I kept looking at you. And I was like, I love this. <laughs> I love this. Yep. Um, to me, it's... Like, I have an obsession with the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. and this felt like a film version of a Twilight Zone episode. And obviously it's not like the Twilight Zone, but it has that same kind of vibe to it. I mean, the story literally opens to you going into a television screen, and when it well, ends, you come back out of the television screen. It's made to seem like it, this is a, a, an episode mm-hmm. of an episode. a Twilight Zone-ish series. In, like, the 50s or so the 60s. So it's not wrong to say that this is Twilight Zone. Like... Esque. Right. It has that same kind of vibe, that same feel to it, the same kind of storytelling, because a lot of the Twilight Zone is dialogue-based, if you've noticed, and very... And it's show-don't-tell. Yes. Or it's, you know... Like, it's... It's not show-don't-tell. It's 
Speak, don't show. Speak, don't show. Basically. And then you look at all, like, the the setting tells a lot of the story, like, what's going on around everyone. Um, so the setting in and of itself is kind of its own character. Like, the town that this is set in yeah. is what's allowing this to happen. The actual town itself, not the people, but the place. And I know a lot of people had said that this was boring. A lot of reviews said it's just people talking through the whole thing. Yeah. Nothing really exciting happens in it. No, oh, but exciting. it does. Planning of excitement. The, the excitement is in mm -hmm. the dialogue, is in the tension, it's in the editing. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. And it's another, it's an alien abduction story. That's all it is in New Mexico with this young girl who wants to see what else is out there. And a guy trying to make it big in radio mm -hmm. and they're able to put together this mystery of these alien encounters that have been happening periodically over time and you go into like government conspiracies and cover-ups which is prevalent in alien yeah. sightings and etc and then you look at who are the people that are seeing these things like the young girl who's now at this point in the story an old woman that nobody believed yeah. thought she was just full of crap minorities at the time mm -hmm. nobody wanted to listen to what they had to say and when they talked about it was one of the ships i believe they found correct if i'm remembering correctly um they only had minorities working the site yeah because they were easily you know denied believability mm -hmm. or credibility right so if they were to go blab or anything society wasn't going to believe them because this was set in the 1950s yeah. and that was as much as we like to look at things like i love lucy and no there was you know, definitely some this was some not segregation in, in all fronts yeah this still at the time. was not the picturesque version of yeah. america that you know old television likes but to that's just how portray. the 50s were that's yeah that's just how it was so, so for me it just it ticked all these boxes and i felt pacing wise it was perfect i felt there was enough tension in it where mm -hmm. I was nervous for them and I thought, I want to see it. I'm ready. I want to see it. <laughs> that's the thing is a lot of people are like, we didn't see it. This sucked. Whereas for me, it's like the anticipation of, I hear, I keep hearing about it. You're telling me that this thing exists. You're telling me what it looks like. You're telling me what it uh -huh. sounds like. I just want to see it. I Where see is it. it? And that's, that's the excitement. The excitement is the tension of now you're getting all these pieces and you're wondering what is the final, what is it going to be? Right. And that's the attention. It doesn't, you don't need to see it. Well, and then if you want to think about it on another level, you're being told this story from these two people's perspective. Right. They're not seeing it. So why should you? Exactly. So, I, I don't want to like see it or be going through these, these characters. And then we cut to like another scene where we see everything. I'm just mm -hmm. like, well, then that just kind of takes away from their experience. too. Right. This is, you're in this film for their experience. You're as in the dark as they are. And then when you finally do see it, you're with them. That's it. And um, you experience it the way they're experiencing it. You're mm -hmm. as in awe as they are. So. And I just, oh, that was perfect. And then I just loved how old sci-fi it looked. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. And I thought the performances in it were great. Mm -hmm. And it's filmed in 17 days. 17 days? Yep. Good Lord. In, I'm impressed. In September of 2016. So it took a while to get to, to our eyes. But well, vast of night i'm glad you arrived yes. so um give it some more love people. please do please, please. Do. please do. um either way i love it i'm a little bent that i can't have a hard copy of it because yeah, it's, on, it's, uh, it's prime. a prime video but yeah. as long as my internet works i can watch yeah. it anytime so nice. 
Yeah, that was my number three, Vast of Night. So. My number three with my favorite male performance of the year is Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, Riz Ahmed is definitely going to take home little Oscar. I hope he does. He deserves it down, 100%. So. Um, so does Olivia Cook. Not Performance is definitely, you know, overshadowed by Riz's, but Olivia Cook also did well, too. She was great. But yeah, um, I had him down, too, as my top uh, performance. This film is just something else. Also, Prime. Prime's on a roll this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a heavy metal drummer who suddenly loses his, his hearing. That plot alone is just catches your interest. Because mm-hmm. it's music. You can't hear. What are you going to do? And what makes it better is the way that the sound editing works. And this is you hear things. Granted, I don't know what it's like to not be able to have my hearing. But I feel like for someone on the outside of that, looking in, I feel like that is a really accurate depiction of hearing or not hearing. Mm-hmm. It's just the banging, the muffledness, the, and, you know, later on, I don't want to but later on, the, the, the sound of, you know, what, just the sound as you grow. And I think the film's perfect. Yeah. It has the struggle of that. He's also a recovering addict mm-hmm. who wants to deal with this problem by doing drugs again but can't but can't so he's dealing with that as well as being deaf he's dealing with not having his girlfriend around for the first time he's dealing with a community of people who embrace being deaf whereas he wants to fix it yeah um no phones he can't communicate he's dealing with so many things and instead of just settling down calming down and just learning he tries to run away from it. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, this is one of those moments where it's, you have to learn with what you have. You can't. Right. It's gone. Sorry, but mm-hmm. it's gone. Don't, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. You can mourn your loss. That's, that's fine. But it's still gone. It, it's not going to change anything. And then you see him over time, like, he, you know, he sells his tour bus that he lived in with his girlfriend to get the money to get, you know. For his surgery. For his surgery. And then you hear the way sound is through these implants that they put on him these new hearing aids and the sound is awful like and and i feel bad saying that and i don't want to offend anyone that uses them and it really helps them but for the point of this story is the silence was better well and then um like for me like i said someone from the outside looking in is when i think about you know a deaf person and i and i hear about hearing aids i think oh they can hear it's it's clear it's right. totally fine it's like, not but it's not it's not the same thing because your ears still don't work mm-hmm. it's just your brain is just trying to make a mess of the sounds and that it's receiving it. and and so it definitely helped me understand that just because you have you know this doesn't mean everything's normal everything's fine right at least in terms of mm-hmm. the hearing itself um, and so that was just an eye-opener. It was just like, wow, I didn't realize that this wasn't the end-all solution. No. and you that, could, that, that he thought it was. He was really hoping that it would be. Like, he did not want to accept that this was his new reality. Yeah. Um, and the big problem that he had was he could never sit still and just accept. He yeah. just couldn't do it. And when you have that moment with him where it's just he finally... Uh, does sit it's so satisfying mm-hmm. um yeah uh, there's nothing i'm gonna say about it it's perfect uh 
The other side character, uh, Joe, the guy who runs the community, mm -hmm. the community, I think he gets some sort of, I hope he gets some sort of acknowledgement for supporting because he does it really well too and there, there's the scene with him where it's just like, that's great. Yeah. When he has that talk with Riz's character and it's just like, that's perfect. Yeah. So I think that one, that's, that's my number three. So, I think it's great. I actually struggled really hard with not putting that one on my list, um, but... It ultimately didn't make it on my list because I was like, I probably won't watch it again. But oh, I, I want to watch it again. It's just so good. But he is on my top performance. Yeah. Like my top male performance, I should say. Uh, so, good favorite. pick. Well, my next one, shocker, number two is Wolfwalkers. Nice. So, yeah, we've already talked about it. Um, there was going to be some overlap in our lists here. No, that's fine. Um... But I just, to recap, I just really enjoyed this film. I love that it was 2D animation. I love the super sweet story that it told. I love that this is out of an Irish company. Um, and I love that it's basically like born out of like an Irish folktale. And it's just a sweet little story about, you know, a daughter and her father and then another daughter and her mother and how we can bridge two communities. And, oh, it was just, it was so good. And then Aurora's song of, you know, running with the wolves. Oh, yeah. it was so good. So, yeah. Wolfwalkers was my number two. They got another appearance there. Yep. So, An animated yeah. film made it to the top of my list. So, I mean, animated there we films are. are still films. Yep. So, don't, don't ever take that away from, from an animated film. All right. Uh, my number two. Wait, where did I... I think I lost it. Nope, there it is. Okay. My number two is Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Oh, she's my top female performance. Yeah. Sydney Flanagan. Yeah. Sydney Flanagan's performance and a debut performance at that. Mm -hmm. um, I just think everything about this film is just damn near perfect. Um, the story is very depressing. Um, yes. But a lot of women go through this, especially young women, because uh, mm -hmm. she is 17, discovers she is pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, we never find out who, by who. We have some assumptions. We have some assumptions, both, neither of which are good, good at <laughs> all. But she can't terminate the pregnancy in her own, in her state, so she has to go, but not tell anybody. Mm -hmm. And so it's this whole story of being alone, even though she's not, she, her cousin goes with her and is the best rock you can have in that situation she's also um, i think 17 too yeah so. and they're both learning how to be alone in a new city which is also a struggle in and of itself dealing with an emotional pain of this the cousin doesn't know what to do she's not going through it but mm -mm. she does her best she'll take the punches and just still be at her side right um and the performance is fantastic it's and then you have people who are working in this uh field of medicine that a lot of people hate on mm -hmm. and these people are some of the most comforting compassionate people because they understand that sometimes things happen in your life that you don't want to have happen in your life and even though the way out isn't the best way out it's still a way out mm -hmm. so i don't there's everything about this film i thought was great uh it is a little slow to start but i think the payoff is well worth it and like I said, same. It has the same sort of feel as uh, the way back in terms of direction, with just the camera just sort of walking behind them. Uh, the grittiness of the film, you know, the filter that they use and the lenses that they they, they pick. It's very intimate. 
and um, yeah, it's just they do things that they don't want to do, but they do it because they have to. Yeah. Um, this really struck me. I I kind of resisted watching it simply because of the subject material, um, not because I lean one way or the other. It was just more like, oh, this is going to be tough. Yeah. Um, it's not a pleasant subject. It's not a pleasant subject, no matter which you know side of the the scales you you lean yeah. on, but. Um, what it really struck home to me and that I think this is something that as women we can kind of find some common ground on is that these situations are not black and white. No. There's um, a lot of gray area. There's a lot of gray area. There is a lot of... It's kind of... I'm probably getting into touchy waters here, murky waters here, but just that... Um, this is not a subject of a woman being careless or taking right. advantage of a system as like, oops, sorry, I got pregnant. Well, let's no, go get I mean, that taken had, care she of. She had no say in what happened to her. She had no say in what happened to her. I gathered from it that she was raped. That's what I gathered. So then that kind of brings into the conversation, like, what do these women do? Can you ethically tell someone, sorry, you got to keep it. Um, like, I feel like it just brings a lot to the table where we need to broaden the conversation. Um, whether we agree or not agree, I think, you know, and especially since she's a minor too. So, um, it kind of, it's like, we, we need to be open-minded and be able to talk with each other about these things and understand too, that these medical workers are not evil people. Um, on either side, really, um, I don't think, because she initially goes to, um, someone in her hometown who, you know, leads her one direction and then she goes to New York and, you know, handles things the way she wants to. Yeah. But I don't get the sense in this film that any of these women are being malicious or trying to sway her one way or the other. It's just, you know. Right. Again, I feel like my big theme for a lot of the movies that we watched for this is that let's just talk let's have an open dialogue yeah. about these things um neither side is right or wrong but let's just mm-hmm. be open to discussing these issues and not be afraid to look at them so right. does that make sense yeah, yeah yeah and i feel like this is a very unflinching look at abortion and unplanned pregnancy so um she steals the show Sydney Flanagan. She's oh, just, she's fantastic. She's fantastic. Um, and her cousin is great. She's absolutely amazing and very supportive. And you think everybody wants someone like that in their life, whether it's a friend, a family member, mm-hmm. you know, everyone should have someone, I think, like that in their life. And yeah, who will do the things that aren't pleasant, but mm-hmm. that will help you out. And her cousin, to me, was the hero of this film. Oh, most definitely. So, um, yeah, and her performance was fantastic. So, yeah, there's my little... I always have something to say, sorry. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's your number two? Well, that was your number two, that but I'm glad we two. swayed it around. I, 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 like, I haven't been saying much at all. That I was just like, I forgot that that was my own number I two. I got so <laughs> impassioned with my speech. Um, yeah, I, yeah. But, and, okay, that's fine. but yeah, so that's, that's my, my theme for this. Okay. Um, so just talk. now that I re- remembered that it was my pick. It was your pick. your last pick. 
Well, it's your number one of this whole 2020 year. Kel surprise! It's Promising Young Woman. Okay. Is my number one. Okay. Bearing in mind, it would have been Portrait of a Lady on Fire and everything would have been shifted back a yeah. space. But um, Promising Young Woman is, since I can't pick Portrait of a Lady on Fire, my absolute favorite film from this pool that we've had. Okay. Uh, I don't know what else there is to say about it. No, I mean, yeah, we, we kind of I dove into it already, but when, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that is my number one. I think that, again, just to reiterate, this is a discussion that we need to have. Obviously, this is a very, like, stylized and extreme kind of take on the subject mm-hmm. and how a person handles it. I do not think that it would be safe to put yourself in the position she puts herself in. Kind mm. of like those commercials where it's like, don't try this at home. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. like something might happen to you. You might end up in a situation you can't get out of. Exactly. Uh, but there are lessons to be learned here. Mm-hmm. And Carrie Mulligan is a queen in this She's film. Fantastic. And she deserves an Oscar nod for this. She'll get so, one, but it, it yeah. might be between her and Francis. But the Academy yeah. loves Francis. So, so we'll see. But I feel like she was my other top female performance. I had two two males and two females. And I had Riz Ahmed, Sasha Baron Cohen, and Carrie Mulligan, and Cindy Flanagan for my tops. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I just, I freaking love this movie. No, it's fine. Ugh. So, my number one promising young woman takes the, takes the crown. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um... Yeah, what, what's left for me, though? I don't know <laughs> what's left. I think you're going to be uh, 100% completely shocked. Like flabbergasted. <laughs> yes, because I've thought long and hard about this because I knew that was in, this was going to be in my top, and I I knew it, and then for the for the hell of it, I was like, you know what, for, for SMGs, I'm going to just place this at one, rank the rest, and see how I feel. I'm trying to think of what it could be. <laughs> okay. I can't think of what it would it's, be. <laughs> it's a really tiny little film that cost about $700,000. What? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. No, you can say guess. No, I don't want to because I might be embarrassed. <laughs> okay, it's Fast of Night. Boo! Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There, told you you were going to be shocked because we watched this together, and she can attest to it that I genuinely show no emotion after watching a film. (laughs) Am am I wrong though? No, you're not. I show no emotion. Like I can't tell you off the bat, like whether I love a movie or not. I can tell you it was really good. I can tell you it was really bad, but I will never be able to form. Like I can't. I just, I, okay, I get it. You're still shocked. It's fine. I could cry. Sorry. <laughs> like, I can't. I can't. So when we saw this, I was just like, that's good. But no, I thought it over. And it, and, and, and that fact that I just said, the whole $700,000 budget, which was self-financed by the director whose debut film is this, um, made this film in, like I said, 2016, 17 days, uh, went to 18 festival circuits, got denied by every single one of them finally made it into the circuits and you know this was most definitely like the sleeper hit of the year that I'm, I'm sad that people hated and said was boring and uh, a lot of criticisms were that I can't understand what they're saying they're talking too fast and 
literally a quote that he said was, I want it to be where, I don't want it to be a film that is, you talk, I talk, you talk, I talk. I want it to be very natural, very casual. People interrupt each other all the time. We do all the time. And especially <laughs> when they're discovering something fascinating, they're engaging with each other. That, that's how people talk. In a small town in the 50s with dialogue that we probably don't even use anymore, slang we don't use anymore, in a manner in which we don't speak anymore, we talk over each other. That's exactly how it is. So if you can't understand it, that's your fault. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and the, the direction is fantastic. It's long tracking shots. There's one that's almost 10 minutes long. And that alone is hard to achieve. Because you have to choreograph 10 minutes worth of you do this, I do this, the camera's gonna turn, you gotta be out of frame, you gotta jump into frame, we need to take this camera from, you know, low ground to high ground, do we have the crane ready, all that. It, it's never an easy task to do a long shot, and the film has like four of them. Um, it, the, the editing is fantastic because, because of the long takes, but because of also the the scenes where it's kind of I didn't understand it at first and this is why I need to think about it a lot of this stuff is just in just over black like it's just a black screen you literally don't see anything but mm -hmm. the film's going on somebody's talking I don't, at first I was like this is kind of annoying this is dumb but I thought about it I'm like what is it doing it's it's kind of making you want to like look left and right like I can't see <laughs> but you're staring at a screen and that means that you're in totally engaged in what's being said. Mm -hmm. That, like them, in the, uh, you know, the characters, they're only listening to it. So, let me take away your visual and just listen. Because you have nothing to look at. So, now you're listening to the story and now you're putting your own images on, on the black screen. So, I thought that was great. And then, just... I, and I, I brought this up to you a while ago. It's probably the, one of the scariest scenes of the year in that film. And it's not even scary, but it's just terrifying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to... We've spoiled everything already in this movie, so I'm sorry. But well, we are doing a film podcast, so I mean... No, I know, but we're... it's like... If, if you haven't seen these films, yeah. we've spoiled it for you. Sorry. Bit, but, but... Uh, yeah, there's a scene in there that's completely terrifying. And it just because you don't expect it. And you don't... You're, you have the same doubt that these characters have. Mm -hmm. And so when you see it, you're just like, oh shit. I think I know the one you're talking like, about. this is real. And yeah. granted, the end has a little bit of the... Uh, kind of killed what was building. But I, I don't know. I just think I appreciated it more knowing that it was a first, first effort, um, self-financed, super, super low budget film. And it does not look low budget at all. It doesn't look low budget. Um, um. Great visual effects work to make it to give it that pizzazz of you know the big screen um, look uh it just everything about it i just can't really find anything wrong with it and i'm not necessarily a twilight zone fan and that's exactly what this feels like it feels like something that this feels like a story that has been lost mm -hmm. in time and space like this feels like a story that it happened but just nobody talks about it. This is just a lost thing. And it feels like that because the characters, only like two or three characters that know what's going on where the rest of the town's at a basketball game. Mm -hmm. And it's like, of course, when this happens, only two people see it and of course no one's going to believe you. So I feel like it's yep. one of those, this was so bizarre and so mysterious and lost and 
I don't know. As I said, the more I thought about it, I was just like, this is, this is the best. It's... So... I mean, I it's too bad we don't have, like, a video camera because my face. When you said this, I about lost my what noodle. What I was going to say? I thought you were going to say host for a second. I was about to be like, really? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> host is a great horror film. Host um, is a fantastic film. Film during quarantine over Zoom. Still terrifying. <laughs> great film if you want to watch it. It's on Shudder. Fantastic. And that was the thing. Like, I honestly thought you were going to say host, and I thought it was good, but was it number one spot worthy last of night i just there's something about that film something about it that just worked i'm so happy really (laughs) it just worked for me so i would recommend it and again i'm pretty sure like seven eight out of ten people are gonna say that I'm, i'm wrong and this is boring and hey that's fine i can see why i can totally see why it's another one that's not for everyone but um, this is just such a brilliant work of filmmaking, especially when you say, hey, you know what? I want to make a movie. And then it ends up being so good. Mm-hmm. Like, you have no money. You put it forward yourself, and you can still come up with something that can build tension and fear. And you don't give up on it, and you spend four years filming, post-production, circuiting it, and just being so passionate with it that you you are able to finally see it succeed that's a huge deal that's a huge deal that's commitment to a project and a lot of people honestly give up if it doesn't hit the first festival they 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 try yeah i mean what i love that you said too is that you realize wait this like this sucked you in and you didn't even realize it sucked you in no it yeah that's exactly what it is it's there then that's why i have to think about it it's just Watching that film when it ended, something was there. It's like, I don't know what it is. Why do I feel the way I feel? I don't know. And then I figured it out. I'm like, because I was engaged by it. And just like the characters, I was left in awe of like, what was that? Like, what did I just see? Did I really just see that? I don't know. Yeah. So. And that's the thing that I think is really awesome is that the end shot with the characters is they're not afraid. They're in just awe mm-hmm. of what's happening. Yeah. And then you come back out of the television. And it's just like the most... It's like, I want to know what happens. But it also poses the question, like if it comes, it it bookends with, you know, going into a TV screen. So it kind of is like a a Twilight Zone. But having that makes you also questions like, did this really happen? Or is this just a a, a fake show? Was I watching this on TV, like as a special? Like what what was this? It it just, everything about it is just so mysterious. And I just, I just loved it. So. Like, and then I go back to my space thing. What else is out there? So, <laughs> but that is that is my list, and yeah, this has gone on for way too long. But, but you, know, you just made had, my night. So we have thanks. Like 30, 40 movies to talk about. So well, and considering, um, I well, we both watched. I'm gonna round you up because I'm sure you did. We watched 55 movies in the last two months. So for us to narrow it down to this was, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you made my evening. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so happy. <laughs> so yeah. Well, so, there's those. Yeah. Well, thank you, 2020. Yeah. No, you had some good films despite you know your delays. But uh, yeah, I, there's never a year where movies, good movies, don't come out. Yeah. There's always gems out there. You just need to look and be open, and that's it. Just look for look for these films and be open to to watching something that you know may surprise you. Yep. So, 
But yeah, I mean, those are our films. We'll be back with another episode. We don't know what the movie is yet, but... Um, TBD. Yeah, please go and watch these films. Let us know if you hated it, if you loved it, if you thought it should be higher, lower. I don't care. Maybe we introduced you to one you hadn't even thought about introduce, watching. Introduce me to one. Right, you know, like, tell what me are what yours? You I'm, I know there's a, plenty of films that I hadn't seen that I wish I had for this list, but let us know, and... Um, Sorry for the spoiling, but, uh, yeah. But, it's a little too late for that. Any regrets? Any you wished you'd saw and hadn't yet? No. No. I, I, I never regret watching a movie, but I will always want to watch another one. Yeah. So. so, yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, 2020. On to 2021. Yes. Here we go. Let's see what films we have for you next year. So, so awesome. Well,. That being said, we are going to uh, be off for today, and thanks for joining us again. Don't forget to still post some reviews on Instagram every so often. Uh, new episode alerts will be on there as well, so tune into that, follow, and hopefully we uh, are entertaining enough to keep you busy for the hour and a half, two and a half that we're talking to you. This time, it's probably two and a half hours, but this yeah. is a special, so yes. here we are. So thank you again. Okay. Support your local theaters. Yes. As always. And, and we will catch you in the next one. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Bye.